I'm going to have to help my three, microphone three, game three, if you've two, got that big old microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast. Galaxy, your device. Listen. Your weekly game. Okay, this week we're going to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, welcome to Gamf. I'm going to start that again. Okay. Three, two, one. I'm drinking uh, Sobe Life Water. Coconut flavor. Beer and apple. <laughs> <laughs> it's really tasty. It looks kind of, it's kind of like a funny color. Weak lemon drink. Yeah, it does look like weak lemon drink. It tastes much better. Hey, what do you mean? Nothing tastes better than weak lemon drink. <laughs> it's kind of impossible to find as well. So I, I bought six bottles of it yesterday. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they sell it anywhere north of about North Salt Lake and then one little place in Farmington. So What about North North Salt Lake? Do they sell it in North North Salt Lake? No. So welcome to Gamf Chapter Three. Welcome. Three, two, one. Welcome to Gamf Chapter Three, and this week we're going to be talking about Spider-Man: Homecoming, and also uh, a, a segment on Question Time. And kind of the, the, the chat really went the way of uh, press freedom and freedom of speech, and and also press uh, responsibility and that sort of thing, and also the state of of, of modern. Um, the modern press and media and stuff like that. So it was, it was kind of an interesting talk. Do you want but, to tell them what question time is? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that. Um, for those who don't know uh, or might live uh, internationally, question time is a, uh, a a fairly regular. I think they, they're taking a break right now. Actually, the most recent one was their last one, and they're back in September. Um, the idea of it yeah. is a, it's a it's a, a studio audience that travels around the UK, and then there's a panel of politicians media types, um, opinion makers, those sorts of people uh, on uh, who answer questions from the audience and then debate one another. And it's moderated by Jonathan Dimbleby. David. David Dimbleby. Um, no, wait. Hang on a minute. No, it is Jonathan. There's the, fa- there's the father, the son, and then the, oh, the ghost. Oh, the ghost. <laughs> the, it kind of is because the one that was – I just call him Dimbles. Dimbles, David, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think I think I think it is David. Yeah. Then he has his son does some things for ITV, and then his father did it before him. Oh, did he? Did he actually host Question Time before he did? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I didn't or, am know I, that. or am I okay. thinking of someone else? Hang on a minute. I don't know. I'm checking. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the 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 question. Um, well, I don't need to go into that because that's David Dimbleby. David Dimbleby. He's seventy-eight. Damn. Wow, he's old. Yeah, and his sibling is Jonathan. Sibling is Jonathan. Who who doesn't he do more documentary kind of stuff? Or yeah, actually, I thought that was his son, but I'm I'm talking at my ass. He's seventy two. Blimey. Um, and I the dad's long dead then. Yeah, I well, I think he was around when I was a kid, unless I'm thinking of someone else. Arthur Dimbleby. Arthur. Uh, That's not right. I just came up with an old man name. Richard Dimbleby was his Richard father. Dimbleby. Okay, and then his son is uh, 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 Trimble. Trimble Dimbleby. Richard Dimbleby was an English journalist and broadcaster. I don't think he did present uh, Question Time. Question Time before. Okay. I think the pe- person who presented was. Uh, oh, hang on a minute. No, it wasn't the guy I'm thinking of. I can't remember his name. I'd know his face if I could find his. Oh, if I could type as well. <laughs> this Riveting. Is all, this is all going in, by the way. 
<laughs> Robin Day was the guy who presented Robin Day. Okay. Was the guy with the big glasses and the bow tie. Yes. Who, yes. Whose face of... I've seen, but I don't think I've seen a whole episode. So, sorry, um, because of. Sorry. You said because of. Um, because of them both hosting Question Time, I think I thought he was his dad. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because so, that, that's how most uh, TV shows work, isn't it? Is, is that the, the dad retires and then the son takes over? No. Um, yeah, he died in 2000, but I don't oh, okay. know when uh, when he last presented Question Time. Anyway. Yeah, because as long as I've known it, it's been Dimbles. It's like, you know, whenever my mom watches University Challenge, it goes asking the questions, Jeremy Paxman, and she goes, Bamba Gascoigne. And it's like, Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, I don't think I've ever, I've only seen a documentary featuring Bamba Gascoigne. I've never actually, don't actually remember him presenting it. Oh, wow. There was a guy in between the two. Robin Day did it from 79 to 89. So okay. he, that would be a childhood memory for me. Yeah. Uh, Peter Sissons did it from 89 oh, to 93. Really? And uh, David Dimbles has done it since 1994, so he's on his 25th year. No, that's not right until 23rd year. Still, though, I mean, that's a long time hosting the same show. Yeah. He does a pretty good job of not letting them get out of hand, I think, as well. Uh, Yeah, I like it when he's angry, though. Yeah, it's always fun. Right. Uh, Back to the the point. (laughs) Okay. What are we doing this week? (laughs) So this week we are talking about Spider-Man Homecoming, which I literally saw this morning. Uh, I saw last night. And we are also talking about this uh, item on question time. Uh, one particular question. It's about eight minutes, the the last eight, eight to ten minutes of the show from June yep. 29th in Hastings, which is in East Sussex in the south of England. Did you want to do a... a uh... What have we been doing this week? Oh, yeah, let's um, do that. That was in the middle last week because I couldn't find a way to cut it into the start. I, I quite liked where it was, to be honest with you. After the ads, it, it seemed, did, seemed, it did provide a nicely. national national a national break it did provide a natural break an international break international break (laughs) (laughs) jingles oh you're gonna gonna love the awful cheese that i'm producing for a jingle for for one one episode did you say awful cheese awful cheese yes it's 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 awful awful cheese as pan flute and like really cheesy bass that you'd imagine a guy playing like this up here and nice. uh, and cheesy guitar and that's that's the best place to play bass. Absolutely, yeah, here. right, right up here. So you can you know you can rub it with your chin. <laughs> chin bass. <laughs> so, uh, how was your week, sir? It was all right. Um, right now, I feel a bit dazed because I've just woken up after a couple of hours of sleep, and it's quarter to one in the morning, and I've and I've just woken up for some reason. Stupid um, time difference. Stupid time difference. Well, that was just on me. I just fell asleep earlier on, and 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 now I feel a little bit rattled. So it's going to be an interesting rest of night and tomorrow. Um, but that's fine. Um, what did I do this week? So I had, I had the Hyde Park thing last Saturday, which was um, uh, Rancid and Green Day and um, cool. Gogo Bordello and and bands in Hyde Park, which was really cool. Nice. Um, didn't you say it was like oddly segregated it kind of it was like first class on an, on a plane where where you, you become very 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 it's very obvious that, that separation between those who've paid more and those who've paid less yeah it was a bit yeah it was i have an odd relationship with the nature of live music anyway because i'm a little bit deaf so um so i sometimes it becomes a bit of a wall of noise i have to wear earplugs to break some of that down so i can actually enjoy it but um 
the yeah being in that park having the general tickets like it it felt like the least punk thing ever to me for there to be so many different levels to it yeah the, to get that close to the stage or to be over there or whatever like each thing of it like i got because i'm a big rancid fan I, I got as far forward as i could for that but i was still a football pitch from the bloody stage Man. and i was a bit like oh okay this all right this feels a bit weird but um yeah so i i, I struggled with that a little bit i have to admit on the day and that i were with people in between you as well. It wasn't like it was a football pitch worth of, of dead space. It was oh, no, no, no. Yeah, the, there, were, <laughs> yeah. there was another, like, a, I forget what they call it, like the garden or something. Yeah. Which you you was another ticket. You bought a ticket for the garden, so that gave you environment there. I, I, I'm under the impression since the event, actually the to the left of that, the other area close to the stage, if you got there early enough, you could get a wristband to get into. Oh, okay. So there was an area because a guy I worked with and his son, all their pictures were taken in there. And uh, and he just said that, that they got there early enough. But we got there kind of late in the day, like um, not late in the day, actually. We kind of got there a couple hours into it just okay. because of one thing and another. And uh, the day before I'd had to travel a lot. So that morning took me a while to get going. Plus I had to get all the way to London for it because I wasn't down there already. Yeah. And um so yeah, so by the time I got there, that area was very much full, all those wristbands are gone. Oh, and, um, gotcha. So we never got into that area, which would have been nice just for, for the one band. But it, yeah, it was kind of strange. Like I got the impression that a lot of people who were trying to get towards the front even while Rancid were playing was were mainly trying to stake a claim to a spot for Green Day later on. Oh, so like, I had these good. people stood in front of me who weren't even looking towards the stage. Oh, really? It was like they were looking at me most of the time. They were looking backwards. And I don't know whether they were waiting for their friends to arrive to join them in this like quite far forward gap. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It was just, it was kind of strange. Like, and it, it didn't impact my enjoyment of the music, but it did make me question whether I would race to uh, an event of that size again. That's fair. Yeah. Those big so, events are always kind of a, a bit of a gamble anyway. I remember going to Ozfest back in 2001 and, um, it was uh, it, 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 the reason I went was because uh, System of a Down were playing, and I was a big fan of theirs at the time. Um, and they actually Mick had Foley to on lead. Yeah, yeah, Mick Foley on lead. They had to <laughs> cut their their set short because the, the there was kind of a sudden windstorm, and uh, part of the stage rigging blew down and almost fell on the yeah the, the, that, that uh, maniacal guitarist. If you remember System of a Down, oh, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, and I think it actually clipped a, a member of the stage crew as well. So they were like halfway through toxicity, and and they stopped, and no one knew why. Good because, everybody. Yeah, they didn't see what was happening, and then I I didn't find out until they didn't even like do an announcement or anything. I I, I had I had to wait until uh, uh the, like the music press came out back then. It wasn't that I wasn't even kind of clued in enough to to check out the, the forums or whatever it would have been, but. Yeah, there was, uh, there was something in Kerrang or one, or one of those magazines that uh, that said, yeah, just system of a down to, to cut short their their set at Ozfest because yeah, someone got hurt essentially. I saw Mushroom Head there too. You ever heard of Mushroom Head? No. Or if I have, they're long forgotten. Uh, they they were kind of like a proto Slipknot or like a Slipknot ripoff. A slip off, okay. um, and uh, the, but but they had uh, clean vocals kind of before Slipknot did the Stone Sour or, or uh, the Corey guy did the Stone Sour thing and started actually singing. It was when Slipknot was still very just you know shouty. 
So they had kind of they, they had a shouty guy, but then they had a, a, like a, a clean vocal guy, and they, they would alternate back and forth in their songs. And I quite I quite enjoyed it. Cause it had a, a heavy sound, but but uh, but kind of nice vocals that you can sing along with. Them, but, so. Right now, just to so you know, right now they're they're listening to a mushroom head track beneath us. If I can oh, okay, one. yeah, uh, solita- playing right solitaire now. unraveling. Pick that one. Pick that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, but but yeah, my week's been pretty good too. Uh, it was, sorry, that was the only thing that you described about your week. Is there anything else of note that you wanna wanna add in before I go? Wednesday, so yesterday, I had that conference that I spoke about on episode one with the um, with the Enigma Machine talk. Oh yeah. And um, and that was really really interesting. And if you're Good. ever back here, I think we should go up to Bletchley Park. Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah, that would be great. Um, just because it was it was crazy, and I I got to see an Enigma machine, you know, and yeah. uh, and it was really it's really quite fascinating because I didn't know that they were used in banking before the war. So it's actually a branded product. Oh, is that like, right? It's got I didn't know that a either. logo on it. Enigma has this like cool logo. So oh. I'll, I'll send you a picture. Of that yeah. Up. But. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, obviously they got altered and, and stuff and like yeah. Navy had their version and, you know, Air Force had their version and whatever. But, um, but yeah, they were, they were just a product that was bought and one, randomly, this is very bad telling of this story, but the first one that was in the UK was actually one that was brought over by some sort of banking thing. This was discovered a little way down the line, you know, after cheering and people are working on it, yeah. um, breaking it. But there's one, there was one in the UK anyway that had been brought across and deemed not good enough for use in banking here. Oh, really? It was yeah, like, so too the, easy to break. Well, yeah, they decided that there was no use for it. Well, wow. the, 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 the the asterisk to this story is that they then made some company here made their own copy of it that ah. essentially was okay. But, you know, maybe they didn't want to pay for the, sure, the journey. Yeah. Okay, so, gotcha. Um, that used a lot of the same bits and pieces, which was called something else that I can't remember. Wow. But that was really cool. We had a talk from a lady from Oxfam that, by the end of it, I was really interested in, which was like. Uh, which was about responsible data. Okay. So like data gathering, how much a charity takes in, why it takes it in, who it takes it from, and how um, in terms of the work they do around the world, how vulnerable those people might be in giving away that information. Oh, huh, interesting. Um, I must have done something someday. Yeah. Well, we recorded Transfivus, but Oh, we did the Transfivus. Oh, I, saw, I saw Transformers on, that was on Friday night. Oh, that was on Friday, okay. And you, was, you saw IMAX 3D, right? IMAX 3D, which I think I said in the thing. Yeah, that was the only oh, yeah, reason I did, wanted yeah. to see it. The only way I wanted to see it because it was shot with those new um, IMAX 3D cameras. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and I wanted to see because that's not a small unit. They're, they're a big old box, those things. So is, um, is that a film camera then or is that actually – that digital? No, no, no. It's the digital, the 3D digital um, IMAX camera. I wanted – I, I was about to say it's an Alexa 65, but I actually think it's not. Well, it's two Alexa 65s. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure Interesting. It is actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the it's the first film to use it predominantly. And then I think pardon me, the, um, the, the, the 2D one is going to be used on um, – or is being used on Avengers Infinity War. Okay. And um, something else that's also in production that I can't remember. And then um, – yeah, you'll start seeing them more commonly, but this this is the first big thing that will have used them. So that that interested me. Um, but no, the rest of the week, I suppose, yeah, I edited um, episode two of this. Okay. Um, I've been at work. I did nothing really to report. No. Actually. Okay. Well, it was the Fourth of July holiday over here, so uh, mm. went up to the in-laws' place in 
uh, Idaho and uh, saw some some of the uh, relatives from out of town. That was quite nice. Um, my brother-in-law lives in Pennsylvania, um, though we're kind of hoping that they they might move to Vegas because uh, the company that he he works for an engineering company and the company that he works for is one of the successful bidders on the new Raiders stadium. Um, since the oh wow okay you know the Oakland Raiders are going to be the Las Vegas Raiders at some point twenty twenty I think they're projecting so we're hoping that he'll get uh, <clears throat> he'll get the chance to work on that project and that will mean they're in Vegas and that's a, a lot closer than Pennsylvania same almost almost the same time zone or not the same time zone but uh, you know it's a eight hour drive from here maybe twelve hours from from where where his parents are so. It's it's a lot closer. Um, Get a sweet sweet tickets as well. Yeah, and there's yeah there's, there's definitely cheap flights between uh, Salt Lake and, and Vegas, and I don't know about Idaho Falls, but yeah. Uh, th- so that was kind of nice. Um, uh, oddly, they they borrowed a bouncy castle from uh, a friend who uh, who bought it. What you spotted was m- must must have been more than twenty years ago uh, mm. because of the phone. That the area code on the phone didn't have a one after the zero. Well, do you want to say where it was from? Leicestershire, wasn't it? Hinkley. Yeah. So the the Bouncer Castle was had travelled thousands of miles. Yeah. And based on the format of the phone number, was at least twenty years old. Which... Yeah. Oh, it was in tremendous condition for for being that old. I guess it's been stored. But how does and... it even? How did you end up buying a Bouncer Castle from know, Leicester? I, absolutely, and, and transporting it. I mean, it, it's. I, I tried to think how much it would have cost to ship that thing because it, it weighed. It, we 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 had to deflate deflate it. It was already inflated when I got there, but I, I helped deflate it and roll it up and put it, you know, on a truck and stuff. No, it, what they would have done is they would have uh, inflated it. Attached to the back of a ship, and it would have been like a balloon. <laughs> what, put helium in it, or? yeah, why not? Yeah, and then okay. it goes over on a container ship. Yeah, and it's just hanging off the back. There's like fifty of them all around, yeah. <laughs> like, a, like the Joker in Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got all those balloons, <laughs> like the Macy's Day. Thing. And yeah, then that's how they test the balloons for the Macy's Day Parade. Actually, they they put yeah. them off the big back of big Joker container them. ships. Yeah. They joker them, yeah. Joker. It's called jokering in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a well-known thing. Tim Burton created it. He gets a cut of everything. <laughs> Jack Nicholson wished his contract was even better than it was. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Never hear that. The whole matching lines thing, like no, word, uh, word count. Yeah, or? Uh, it was screen time. Was it screen time? So the, it wasn't the, word the, the count. The rumor okay. is it was screen time. So for every minute of Batman or Bruce Wayne, there is an equal minute Joker. So in theory, if it's a two-hour movie, there's an hour of each character. Oh, man. And one day I will cut this to see if this is accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd it's do curious. an overlay almost of every every scene, side by side um, or something. Yeah, just play them next to each other <laughs> with the audio mixed perfectly. Yeah. I'll do it like this, so it's like a conversation between the two from side by side, like they're having a like a CNN debate with the yeah the talking Bruce heads Wayne kind of thing. Yeah. That but that's fun. that's what they always said. It was yeah. you know, like that because obviously Jack Nicholson was a big get for something like that. Basically. Sure, yeah. Okay, how do you want to do the Spider-Man discussion one? Um. Let's just preface this with opinion. So, how how did you like it? I, I really rather enjoyed it, to be honest with you. Um, I, I I thought that the combination of snarky uh, Peter Parker stuff, uh, along with 
uh, the little guest spots from Favreau and um, although he was actually in it quite a lot uh, and, and Favreau uh, was in it quite a lot. Yeah, surprisingly so. And, and Danny Junior, I thought, I thought, I thought the whole I enjoyed the story. I thought, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Keaton was great um, as a, as a as a bad guy. Um, yeah, acting from his from his chest there because he's always yeah. Like, he is sneaking. I'm very. I'm a short guy, and I yeah. act from here. <laughs> yeah, and I love all that stuff. Which, which, which reminds me of, of his days back as, as as Batman because he he did like turn his whole upper body when he t- when he had to turn his head. Um, but that, yeah, he had to because of the suit. It was yeah. that molded. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, Which they addressed yeah. in the uh, in the um, Dark Knight, didn't they? They did. When they gave him the helmet head thing, so he could turn it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I Batman. thought I, th- I thought the, uh, the the I thought the look of the movie was great. Um, I don't believe I've seen one of these movies because that's not Andrew Garfield, is it? No, no. To, uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. That's who it is. So, I, is this his second? No, this is his, this is his first, first. Um, Spider-Man titled film. Did you but see he was Civil War? In Civil War, no, I haven't seen Civil War. You didn't see Civil War. Okay, he was introduced in Civil War and the the like the Snapchat opening, video or whatever he that's, does. That's referencing that, right? When he steals Cap yeah. Field and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, he basically there's a there's a little bit in Civil War where it cuts to like there's all these big title cards like Berlin, whatever, and then after a few of those, like the last one when it when it cuts to a new place and does it, it just says yeah. Queens. Oh, and, okay. And everyone in the audience goes. Ooh. Because you know they know who lives in Queens. Yeah, and um, yeah, so it cuts that, and it's um, like a kid coming home, and uh, you only see him from behind, and he goes into like a little apartment, and uh, uh, someone's talking to Marissa Tomei, who's his aunt May, and it turns around, it's Tony Stark, and he's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. and um, and then they go to, he goes to help him in um, uh, the fight in Berlin, which is like the the sort of breakdown of the Avengers thing where they have the two sides fighting against each other. Okay. Um, over that, you should see. It, actually, it's, it's, yeah, I, I've been, been, been meaning to see it, and, and I just just haven't gotten around to it. So, uh, but but you know, I th- I think he does a really good job of Spider Man. He's, he's kind of the most teen Spider Man that I've seen in a, in, He's in definitely a while. the youngest they've had. Yeah, um, he is only I think he might be twenty now. Okay, so he's pretty young. But he was sort of seventeen or eighteen when they cast him. Cool. Okay. No, I so think he's playing he, fifteen. I think. Yeah, he's playing fifteen. Yeah, they mentioned that in the film. Um, he corrects Tony Stark when he calls him fourteen. Uh, Aha. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I thought I think he he plays it pretty well. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I it was it was actually it kept me engaged for the whole time. Uh, there, there wasn't a bit where I was like, oh, this is boring or anything like that, or you know, come on, get get on with it. Who's even, text me? Yeah, even like the, uh, the the fight sequences and stuff like that that are normally the the the, the keys for me to kind of be like, oh, spin on, come on. Um, I think they were done well enough that uh, and they were short enough that they kept me engaged. Um, yeah, none of it was too low stakes. Like every, uh, sorry, none of it was too high stakes, and you just like burp, don't care. I liked the fact that he had like relationships with the Delhi people, and I love Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. I thought that was I, I, casting it younger like that was was a really fun idea. Because you think about it, like she's probably in her mid to late forties now, so she you is, can that's have. True. But they're old. People, you can like, have a fifteen-year-old kid who would yeah. have had sub fifty-year-old parents. You absolutely so. can, yeah. But it, it, I'm just thinking of my, my reference points to the Sam Raimi films, where they're, they're literally old folks, you know. Either um, Rosemary Harris, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, she was always played more as a grandma than an aunt. She I was. This, yeah. this, this is a strange thing. Like Aunt May was always kind of old. So yeah, yeah. Which, but and that's why I kind of like this choice when when she popped mm. up on screen, you know. I think it's after he. I think her first reveal is when he comes through the window, sneaking in and drops it in front of his friend, who's got the, the Lego Death Star, who drops it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think that's her first reveal. And I was like, oh, well, that's new. I like that. That's kind of fun. I don't, re- I don't even recall Aunt May in uh, the the Andrew Garfield films. I don't even recall uh, Sally Field. Sally Field. Okay, yeah, there we go. No, no, yeah, she played was... it quite well. I quite like. I she don't did. know how old Sally Field is, but she she nudged a little younger, a li- certainly in her. Yeah. You know, like she was uh, working as a nurse and she had her own life, and like sure. certainly her that take on Art May felt younger than the Rosemary Harris one, and then Definitely, we've gone yeah. younger again. So it's kind of it's all more realistic, maybe rather than younger. Yeah, and I, I saw. I, I actually last night I was watching TV. And there was a little, uh, it's actually, especially running MTV for the first time in forever. There was a, a little kind of teaser where it was, it was that little cast of teenagers in there uh, talking, just like, oh, come, come see Spider-Man Homecoming. And it almost kind of made me go, oh, I don't want to see it anymore. Because they were just uh, young un- people. Un- unbearable Hollywood teenagers, you know? And uh, the, yeah, the, the, the friend. Good hair. The, yeah, with their good hair and money. Um, yeah. The, the the buddy the the friend whose name has already escaped me um the the bigger chap he uh, uh the guy in the chair Ned uh, he was just kind of like this this really giggly and, and and giggly to the point of like like giggling with his like a Japanese schoolgirl with like putting his ma- um his hand over his mouth like okay. <laughs> um and it was it was just made me really not Ned. There you go. It just made me really not want to see the film for a second. And I was like, no, okay. don't do that. Don't, don't, don't enter that into your mind. Cause you're just going to go in with preconceptions. Um, but uh, as a whole, I thought, I thought the young people in the film, the, the young cast, you know, the people around him and, uh, the, uh, the, the, is it Liz, the, uh, the, the love interest. Yeah. I thought they were all the, uh, a great job. And, and there was a weird thing. And maybe as a, someone who's a bit more into, comic books i think her character's name was michelle but she got referred to as mj at the end of the movie and i was like mj yeah i that's uh yeah with spoilers by the way i suppose we should say yes yeah i'll put that um, in, the, in the episode <laughs> description yeah. um yes yeah so the the uh actress called zendaya or zendaya i don't know how people say it didn't know who she was apparently she's some kind of like teen superstar she's excellent I thought she was, but it took me a while to be convinced was the upshot. But for a while, I was a bit like, oh, it feels like they're trying a little too hard. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? No, that's fine. She's that kid. Um, yeah. When she was cast, they give her this name, Michelle, and there everyone's like, uh, she's got to be playing someone else. And and I think someone may have reported or she might have said something that was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm playing Mary Joan or whatever. And um, uh-huh. and then it was, no, no, she's definitely playing Michelle. And then by the end of it, she's MJ. So she's essentially the Mary Jane of this version but she this her name's michelle okay. or whatever i don't know and well, sh- and this kind of brings me on to, to a bit of an interesting point surely they can't recast spider-man anytime soon again given the tie-in with the universe right or do they just go katie memoria and and you know it's a it's a different actor interacting as if as if it's like james bond or something no right? i think they'll they'll or, stick with this lad for a while it's um the yeah. the bigger especially if the film does yes, well yes i mean and it looks like it's going to it looks like it's going to um uh, do crazy well. Um, the idea that they—I don't think they'll recast soon. But uh, the weird tie-up between Marvel and Sony is going to be the interesting tell yeah. on this because, like, it looks like because um, they're planning all these other films. So they're planning like a Venom film and a Silver Sable film and possibly even a Sinister Six film still, like as spin-offs that aren't going to be tie-ups with Marvel. Oh, so they're okay. going to sort of exist over here almost like the x-men films do okay but but they're gonna have spider-man who does exist in the mcu and there was a video that went around where um amy pascal who produced this used to be head of sony 
um, sort of said, oh, oh, we're doing that. And, they're, you know, they're all tied together. And, and Kevin Feige from Marvel was sat next to her and there was just this, like, and someone zoomed it in on his eyes and he just kind of like was like, <laughs> his eyes just kind of screamed, what the fuck? Because <laughs> that's not true at all. It's like, did you see those stills from uh, from or the video of Buzz Aldrin standing next to Trump this oh, week? God. When, Bu- when Trump was talking about space and, and Buzz Aldrin's face was just priceless no, when he was I will, talking I about it. I didn't even hear what 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 what, um, what Trump said, but clearly he was saying something ridiculous and, and, and Buzz Aldrin didn't have the ability to, to cut This his, man like, didn't go indignance. to the moon. I don't know why I'm doing that in Kennedy's <laughs> <Yeah>. voice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, what are your thoughts about the, the film? I, yeah, I really liked it. I was really burnt out on the marketing talking to other people allowed me to get their excitement for it which was nice I, I you know the idea that other people were so excited about it made me more excited about it i still didn't go on opening night which i would have done on almost any other one i just needed to um let it open hear other people's views and then be like yeah i'm super excited for this um cool and and yeah i ended up really enjoying it and i really like i've been on the hook for keaton since the first batman uh, as much as i have issues with tim burton's take on batman i like keaton um, yeah, and I'm glad he's, he's back. You know, I really enjoyed Birdman, and it's nice that he can segue that into other kind of sort of stuff where he gets to do a lot of that sort of the the kind of over the top performance almost that he's very good at. Um, he is excellent at it. He's got kind of a, a really good crazy face. Oh, he always has that though. You know, like Beetlejuice. Because I, like, you know, great. Uh, yeah, good point. Like, yeah. There's that one <laughs> shot where um, and we'll get to this, but where it's like real close on him, and it's when they're in the car, and he goes, "Good old Spider-Man," you know. And yeah. it was really close. That, that whole like, scene was great. Oh, Tension in that scene was fabulous. He does that little gruff, like his whole voice yeah. sounds like he's been hit in the throat. <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. He's just so sinister. Um, he is. He's loved excellent. him. Loved most of the kids. Um, were there any performances you didn't like? I like I said with the MJ th- with the Michelle. with the Michelle thing. I to start with, I was a bit like, all right, and then after a while, it's like you know what? She's just the the art kid, you know the the yeah. intelligent. I'm going to read these books, kind of uh, feminist art kid, kind of, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, cool. she reminded me very. Yeah, the character reminded me very much of uh, the April Ludgate character in Parks and Rec. Um, Oh really? Kind of Aubrey the, Plaza. Yeah. Sorry, it took me a yeah. Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of Less that. Less crazy cakes, I would say. Less crazy. That's true. But 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 you know they came from the same place yeah. type. That I feel like they're kind of slightly dark. Yeah. And, yeah. Like the way she sits in in detention, drawing drawing portraits of people being sad, seems like like something very much like that's that, that's fair. Something but that I I, I don't do. know. I feel like the Aubrey Plaza one's more. I don't know. Like that was more played for laughs, whereas I never kind of felt the Michelle character was. And I, after a while, I oh, really? like that. Okay. Like she was always there reading the books, and it seemed like she was doing most of it for herself. Like uh, where it's like the the party scene where they're like, "Well, you're here too," and she's like, "Am I?" Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. "Shut down that whole thing." It's just like, <laughs> okay. And she's, oh, I can't remember what and it was. She's, but she's always reading like the, like one of those like texts, but it's like, yeah, like when you're reading Albert Camus or something in high school, and, you, and you're you're, you're uh-huh. searching for a depth that you can't achieve or whatever, you know, like, yeah. Like when when they're at the Washington Monument and she's reading a reading a book uh, and she's like I can't get excited about something that's built by slaves and the teacher turns to one of the security guards and he just kind of goes yeah he's like it probably wasn't built by slaves and the security guards like yeah Martin Starr was great as the the teacher as well I'm glad he's he's graduated he was good yeah Um, yeah I thought he was I don't want to lose a kid on a on a field trip not not again again. Yeah, that was definitely amusing. But yeah, no, there was uh, I, uh, performances I didn't like. The the sub Tom Hardy guy, 
who oh, who's yeah, the first yeah. shocker. He um yes. he's he's okay. Professional wrestling. Yeah, but it was that like uh when he gets fired and he's all like <laughs> and he does all this with his yeah. face, like you're really gonna let me go you know, and he's got yeah. that big beard, which he seems to have had for a decade. Because he's got it in that first yeah. scene he's in. And it's like the yeah, same that's true. Beard, yeah, eight, that's eight, years years like, eight years before. Like, yeah, come great. on, just shoot, just do something different with the beard. Yeah. Like he's got the same shaved head beard. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Years. Uh, but no, otherwise, like I thought, even the 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 guy who was, I think, playing the tinkerer, the guy who's building all the stuff for them. Oh, I thought he was I great. Yeah, he kind of like the, the the dark side geek type. Yeah, guy. With yeah little, he was wearing that little beanie for the entire thing. Uh-huh. Um, no, I, I enjoyed his performance. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought that was uh, good. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of a performance that I, I kind of thought, eh. I was, and I was worried it was going to be Ned, to be honest with you, after seeing that thing last uh, night. Okay. I was worried I was going to, uh, that if he was featured prominently, it wasn't going to be good, but he did a fabulous job. I thought he yeah. was really good. Like, as, a, as somewhat comic relief, you know. I liked, I liked it when they cut to uh, Peter's bedroom and he was just wearing the hat, yeah, yeah. Wearing, the, wearing the mask. You know? well, it's like they're both asleep because he comes up, doesn't he? And then he, uh, Spider-Man yeah, comes down. he's wearing the mask. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And they're watching that little hologram or whatever. Um, uh-huh. Any of the kid performances I didn't like or, or that were a bit like whatever, I immediately was like, you know what? They're just because they're awkward teenagers. That that yeah. works true because they're all it meant fits. to be the brainier yeah. end of it. Because I was wondering right, about yeah. some of the interactions for a while, and then you're like, well, no, actually, it's a science and technology high school, so they're all right. top ten percent brainy kids, aren't they? You know. So yeah. I liked. Um, yeah, like the flat the Flash kid. I was worried. I was worried that he was going to be when they was first introduced to call him Penis Bar. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I thought uh, you'll get, you might be annoying, um, but he wasn't. I thought he he did a good job in the role. That, that was, was a very good take on that character yeah. of not doing it as a, just a giant like lunkhead jock as well. Like he's clearly yeah. still intelligent too, but he's the bully intelligent yeah, he's, kid. It's like the the rich kid, yeah. bully yeah. kind of, but not not quite as intelligent, but still but still definitely on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the spectrum, Spider Man spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the girl playing Liz. I think she's probably a star in the making i would guess she's probably going to be headlining things one day i'm trying to think i've forgotten oh i tell you who i really liked in it was um uh, donald glover oh yeah he was great kind of like playing it with his one eye yeah i I thought that was good and and when and when he has his one hand attached to the 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 trunk of you gotta fix this i got ice cream in there (laughs) yeah that was fun (laughs) stuff i i enjoyed that that whole thing and i was kind of surprised to see him in such a small role, I suppose. I mean, it was it was a, it was a good role, but it was but he wasn't in it much. No, he's um. There is a, a comic book link there that I will tell you when we get to it oh. in the uh, in the uh, next segment. Um, okay. But yeah, there was a throwaway line that is that links him quite big into the universe. So it's more about a nod character gotcha. for later, more than anything potentially. Plus, there was that whole thing like he wanted he was one at one point uh, he wanted the part of Spider Man. And like oh, campaigned okay. for it, and there was a picture of like him and Garfield at, at parties together and stuff. And yeah, uh, and now he's yeah, I now he's a little that, yeah. older, and you know wouldn't be the pick to pay a teenage one. But but yeah, no. so, so it was nice that he got a part in it because that's something you know certain fans in the internet and whatnot wanted for quite a while. And I, I was surprised by how sedate he played it, considering you know in community and things he's a little bit of a, a louder guy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did play it kind of relaxed. Yeah, and I, I really like that. I mean, I got the impression he was maybe playing it as a bit of a drug addict, but yeah, but yeah. I, I, yeah a bit of a stoner. Yeah, maybe. I, I did like his one like slightly closed eye all the time. I got ice cream. Yeah, that was you got to fix this. And his car had like the back windscreen out. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it was just like plastic it was just or something. It's like, like garbage bags. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like wow, that was good. Like, yeah, dirty little scrungy area of New York. So. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he was he was he was definitely fun in it. And I also liked uh, just looking it up actually. Hannibal Burris, who played the yes, coach, yeah, who, who showed up everywhere, he kept playing the cap videos. That was yeah, fun. and he was kind of asleep for in like detention and things. And yeah, yeah, he was great. <laughs> whatever, because he was in Baywatch as well. Oh, yeah. was he? Okay, I never saw that. It's fun. It'll, it'll be fine on Amazon Prime. Okay, good. Yeah, I or think. Netflix. Whoever's going to sponsor it. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to get into the uh, questions or not the questions? The uh, predictions. The Predictions. There Do I go. drop in the audio here of me saying I can yeah. predict it? I think so. So yeah. this is me. Here's what Mark said three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, in the first episode of Camp. Time tunnel. I feel like I could. I mean, maybe we'll do this as an, as a an episode, but yeah. like I could I could give you the the through line for most of that film step by step mm-hmm. based on the trailer yeah the trailers put it out of order but i think i know what order that story goes and how that story goes and what the redemptive arc is like what the narrative of that film is going to be time tunnel so let's see how your predictions held up this, shall can we? you just tell them when i sent this email to prove that i yes the email was sent on july the 5th three days ago at uh 12 48 p.m the notepad i worked this out on looked like a page of madness as i wrote down everything i could <laughs> yes. remember and then tried to interconnect it while i was at that conference not listening to one of the speakers but anyway yeah do you want to do you want to read a little bit to that and see how you think i did all right so, so the very first line after the introduction is opening is the snapchat slash internet video style behind the scenes of civil war stuff all excitement and i'm spider-man and shit bang on well i I didn't get that they were going to go back eight years. So I'm 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 one scene in, and that was clean up after the original Avengers movie, right? That was what they were doing. Yeah, because yeah. they start with the shot of the knackered. What then is the Stark Tower? Stark Tower. Um, yeah, and then yeah. they come down, and you're in um, Grand Central Terminal, where the uh, where right. the big old um, I forget what they call them, but anyway, one of those big bastards. And then one year later, or whatever, and it was two months. Actually, two months. Yeah, so it's yeah. only two months yeah. after Civil War. So I was, I, I thought they'd be real timing it, but, uh, okay. but yeah, in the, it was two months. It said in the gotcha. film. Peter is in school, bored, living the mundane teen life, angst and frustration in school by day, Spider Manning by night. His best friend knows who he is, but he can't tell others who enjoy Spider Man stuff. Maybe that one girl. He wants to be more, but Tony won't let him be on whatever is left of the Avengers team. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Which was in the trailer right there. Yeah, that line was in the trailer. I, I thought it happened in the car, yeah. which was how the trailer was cut, but it's actually uh, randomly in uh, India. Yes, it is in India, isn't it? Yeah, when, when that, that <laughs> flying Spider-Man suit, uh, Spider-Man, that flying Iron Man suit has just rescued him from the bottom of the lake, right? Yeah, and it opens up and he's not there and he's in India or whatever. But yeah, the uh, that line comes a little bit later, so that line happens later, but essentially that's the broad strokes of what's happening there. Yes, yeah, and and I think that's that's that that was, yeah that kind of pretty much sums up what happened at that point. Uh, so next line is he busts that bank heist, which was a fun little scene I thought, where was, especially as they were yep. all wearing Avengers masks. Uh, yeah, again in the trailers, and it leads to damage control, who is either run by Vulture or is the enemy of Vulture's business. Now, you want to explain that a little bit? Damage controls from the comics, and it was. There was a bit on a TV where it said, I think it was that shot of Tony Stark establishing. Oh, yeah, it was like the agency, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that's later on. That's when he gets stuck in their vault, and that's Damage Control's vault, right? 
that's damage control, and that's who takes over and throws. Um, then Cagney or Lacey comes out. Then. Cagney and yeah, or Lacey yeah. walks in and and basically says, "You're done." Yes. To, uh, to to, um, to Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, to Michael Keaton, to Beetlejuice, um, to Batman, and uh, and throws it to Batman, to uh, yeah, to Birdman, and and to Multiplicity, <laughs> and um, throws him off, throws him off the thing, so that creates the bitterness and stuff. Yes. So I I thought potentially he was going to be part of a damage control crew that had gone bad. Okay. And I don't know if I wrote it in there, but I thought the gambit was almost going to be like the mob after 9-11. Yeah, so either way, Vulture is running the 9-11 mob-style theft side operation, stealing leftovers from Avengers incidents and selling or using them for illicit business, or most likely both. Yeah. I I wasn't sure if he was going to be on the crew or... or um, well, like the... the- uh, again... It, yeah. but they, they set that up very early on that he was very much put out of business by damage control right. being created so he so, was like a third party contractor who'd been brought in by the city or something or tony stark yeah. to to do the cleanup and then they came in and and you know uh federal fed, meddling it yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So this will be the warehouse scene keaton monologue about about why and a big old firefight where they know spider-man exists and he is onto them giving them an enemy they may even know he is a kid or who he is by the end of this. So the, the knowing who he is came I was very wrong. late on. Yeah, yeah, and and that warehouse scene I was thinking about from the trailers is actually the one where um, Keaton does his big monologue and and then uses the the bigger vulture wings to take down the warehouse. Oh yes, okay. Oh, so that was fairly late on too. That-, that was fairly late on. Some some of what I thought was going to happen there does happen there. Yeah, but anyway, the the, the broad strokes of that I was wrong about. Yeah. So um, where Spider-Man finds some of them in uh, the park, doesn't he? And then he do- uh, yeah, where they're, sh- they're essentially shooting cars and trying to sell it to Donald Glover. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's there. Yeah, that, that, because he's, he's changing into the Spider-Man suit to go and crash the party to show that he knows yeah. Peter Parker and he sees the blue fire in the distance. Yes, yeah, yeah the party wasn't in the uh, trailer, trailer no. so I couldn't... Well, there might have been a shot of like Liz or something from the party in the trailers. Um but uh, but yeah, so the party wasn't in there, so I didn't know the party, but that falls into the angst and the okay. you know, school kid stuff. And uh, yeah, and then so instead of it being a warehouse scene, it was blue light in the distance and yeah. he busts um, Woodbine and uh, discount Tom Hardy uh, showing off guns d- to Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. School goes to Washington and the bad guys follow to take out Spidey. It's the other way around, actually. It was the other way around. I was surprised by that. Yeah, I thought they'd be chasing him from the warehouse thing, but I was wrong about the warehouse. So he actually goes following them. He wasn't because he was. It was only just a like a blip on the outside edges of it, of their radar at that point. Really, he really yeah. hadn't hadn't kind of earned their ire until he gets to DC and goes to kind of uh, thwart the, um, the the Maryland the truck heist. A big Washington fight ensues. Uh, not sure. I suppose you know the biggest thing that happened in Washington was it the, wasn't a fight. Wasn't a fight. No, I thought it was, it was the monument. No, thing. it was. It was just. It was just an action scene yeah. um, uh, based off the old exploding uh, thing. Orb yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So that didn't actually the the beats of it played to how I thought, but there wasn't an antagonist. There was. It was essentially just uh, uh, a scene of peril, essentially. Right. Um, but the outcome was still the same. Yeah. Which the which the yeah, next line is this will likely cause the beginning of the quote. But my friends are in trouble. Life's too short. Type shit, and make Peter question why he's doing this. He'll also ask out the girl somewhere in this sequence because he now has the balls. What's he got to lose if they all get murdered? So he asked her out after the, that peril, but he kind of talked yeah. to her a little bit as Spidey when he before he fell down the elevator shaft. When he puts on the over the top, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it sounds. Yeah. Oh, Spider-Man. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be recognized. Yeah. But no, I mean, it still happened pretty much in the way I expected to. Yeah. Um, thematically, yeah, they're back in school by the time he asks her out. Yeah. Which I thought was really cute. I thought that was a really nice little cute scene. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought that was a, uh, a, a, a pretty good good scene just when they're crossing paths in the hall and he has the massive hall pass i i, I love <laughs> that touch like old school wooden, yeah that yeah. was excellent um clipboard thing or whatever. yeah okay so uh next uh whoever attacked them in washington is key to kicking off the ferry action next so staten island ferry stuff but not sure yeah. how that will be um assumed it'd be one of the henchmen giving woodbine or glover something to do probably glover based on what Jay has said about the cast list. Jay's uh, uh, friend. Yeah, Jay was going to be on this with us. Yeah, um, he was the uh, he was going to be our guest on this, and he um, he works for IMDb, and he had weirdly they released the the official cast list for this very early. Oh, really? So there were a lot of spoilers in that cast list, uh-huh. and they don't usually reveal those until after the films come yeah. out. So they had data to update on IMDb, and so you knew who certain people were, and this is where we knew for sure who Donald Glover was playing. And Donald Glover is the character he's playing, and is the line where he says, "I've got a nephew who lives around here." The nephew is Miles Morales, who is Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, okay. So the chances of him being your tweener kind of uh, uh, bad guy, yeah. who's ultimately quite good underneath, or has a bit more um, of a moral compass, uh, is very high because of that. Knowing he was that character, so. Um, in a, I thought he was just going to be one of the henchmen, not someone who was um, who was outside of the the, the, the group. Yeah, yeah, outside of uh, Vulture's mob, just because of the way he appeared in the scenes. But he was essentially he was key to how it kicked off the ferry sequence. So the I didn't know the specifics, which is a good thing because I would have been so sick of it by that point if I did. Yeah. But he, it did end up working out pretty much how I expected. Good, I think. I yeah, I, think, I still, I think I'm right. No, I, I'm annoyed by how much of this I was right about. <laughs> and I was confused by the, the sorry, just when, when you mentioned Vulture, it kind of reminded me of something. I was confused by the name of Michael Keaton's character because I thought Tombs sounds kind of like kind of a cool bad guy name. Uh, it's, isn't it? Isn't that one of the? Isn't that like the creepy guy from one of the X Files films? It was Eugene Tombs, the big stretchy guy. Yeah, yeah. Could do this. That's it. Um, but but yeah, Vulture, I suppose, is his actual bad guy name. It's Green Goblin name. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I think he has always been uh, uh, in the comics with Tombs as well. Okay. So, so that's just the name from the 60s. Fair enough. Um, a fairy action scene plays out as in trailer and is likely the big reveal of the Vulture unless it happened in the warehouse fight. It happens in the first couple of minutes. It does. Yeah, I was yeah. blown away that yeah, they, they really just they showed him. Just yeah. leave up and then he has giant wings they would literally like he's got giant wings well especially how how he came out of the van like that in the in the in the um in the in the ferry it really that that could have been a great reveal like you just yeah just where the wings tear tear through through the side of the the van van. yeah that that, that could have been a fabulous reveal so i don't know whether they they you know bottled it on that or was it whether and no i think because there's so many bits where you see him before then and by that point he's already tried to drown oh that's true yeah yeah, when he picks him up after the uh the van yeah chase yeah and Um, he's all tangled in so they very much just led with that they didn't want to hide him at all he was he was front and center from the beginning um the only the only bit i was not the only bit i was wrong about there but the bit that didn't play out like the trailer um was that it was spider-man's fault and I kind of dug that. Yeah, I thought that it was, was good. That was something I, I had no expectation, you know. And it was, um, I forget where I read this, but it was some, 
said like, oh, having a super suit doesn't suddenly make you an adult right. and capable. Yeah. And I kind of like that. And there were so many little bits of that throughout it where um, Peter was still a kid and he was trying to kid it on certain things. Right. You know, like, like, so the he doesn't know how to stop the gun. So he just sort of fucking piles on yeah, web tons of to webs, hold yeah. it in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it just kind of tears the ship. Down. Right. Uh, um, and I kind of like that. I really did like that it was ultimately sort of um, his responsibility for that. Right. It was, his, it was his inexperience. It was, yeah, it was his in- inexperience and, and immaturity and, mm. and what he was doing that caused it, essentially. Uh, Tony comes to rescue and takes away his suit as in trailers. Spider-Man no more. Bang on. Yep. You know, that's exactly what yep. happened, yeah. Uh, next up, Moti- Mopey Peter goes to Aunt May, who gives advice but can't understand what he's going through. Classic adults can't relate with teenagers, but with superhero stuff. Uh, happens throughout the film. Doesn't yeah. specifically happen there in the way that I expected. No, no. There's that little dinner scene with them uh, eating Thai food earlier Yeah, that's kind of early yeah. on, though, isn't it? yeah. I expected, to be honest, I expected there to be more of an Aunt May story in this. Yeah, uh, well, considering I think um, she played it really well, I would have liked her some more if I had to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Is she still married to David Duchovny? I was she. I didn't know that. I don't know. Isn't, Marissa, isn't, that, isn't that Marissa Tomei? Tia Leone was married Tia Leone, to yeah, I'm thinking a completely different woman. Yeah. Big Dance comes around, takes that one girl who is actually Vulture's daughter. This is a spoiler I've seen confirmed, so I'm folding it in. This confirms which kid is Spider-Man somehow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly as it happened. Did, so you knew the whole it, he, he, she was Vulture's daughter thing before the Yeah, in? and I don't Aww. know where I knew that because Jay said uh, after I'd seen it last night that he was like, oh, it was real sad that, that you got that spoiled for you. And I, I texted him back, I thought you told me, <laughs> but apparently he didn't. Okay. So I so I must have read it somewhere, and I but I don't know where that came from. Really? Okay. No, no, I didn't. I did not see it coming. Um, it really took me took me out of nowhere. I, I felt a little bit stupid because I was like, of course, big house and stuff. You know, I remember when the, the party scene happens, being like, uh, this teenage girl lives in a really nice house, and being like, oh, her parents must be rich. Yeah. Okay. She goes to a fancy school. Fair enough. Um, but didn't kind of think. You know, I do it for my family. You know, he kept on saying that and, and didn't put two and two yeah. together at all. But so it was great when he opened the door. And I was like, I was, it was a literal <gasps> kind of moment for me. It was great. Good. I think it was for a lot of people, actually. Um, it, it is really nicely buried in there. And when you see it again, you'll be surprised. Because, you know, when it starts on a picture of the Avengers drawn by a kid. Yes. Does it say that's li- going to be. Uh, yeah. He's talking about his kid. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, the kid's got talent. He's like, Bleh. but that must be a picture that's drawn by, by I don't know, let's say eight-year-old Liz. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of dug that. And it is it is nicely buried throughout. Did it um, actually say Liz on it maybe there somewhere in the picture? Oh, I don't know. Be cool if, I, if I, yeah. I might see it again tomorrow with Adam and his boys. Okay. Uh, and I will I will check. Makes it sound like he's got um, like a crew. I know it's his sons, but... <laughs> Adam and his boys. Adam and his boys. <laughs> Adam and his boys. <laughs> got like, it's just a, they're all stood folded armed like wearing naff naff jackets and ray-bans <laughs> jackets. they've all got like uh wayfarers and he's got like uh or oakley or something. <laughs> come on jude we were all gonna buy ray-bans dance is interrupted by the daughter saying something about vulture activities or vulture busting up the school to get spidey either way it leads to a confrontation between the two and Peter has to put the suit back on, but all he has is his crappy original suit, and all this catapults into the big plane fight somehow. Maybe Vulture was distracting Spidey slash taking him out while the boys did the job. So that doesn't happen 
but uh, yeah, that doesn't happen. But but they but you know that there is the second uh, stinger guy. Is that what it's called? Shocker, 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 shocker guy is is waiting there, and he is in his crappy original um, Spider-Man suit. So uh, yeah, yeah, I like that early on because like I had that prediction still in my head of like how are they going to do that, and then very early on you see him lift up the things, and he's got all these original spider-man shit hidden under the, at the school. yeah yeah that's kind of I like yeah that and i'm touch. like uh yeah okay we yeah we definitely did yeah um yeah the the uh the turn happened in the car not at the dance uh-huh. and then the the fight isn't with vulture but it's with the boys out the back of the school with yeah. the bus shot which was in one of the trailers but i admit when i wrote that i'd forgotten about that oh bus okay shot. fair enough and then when i saw it i was like yeah that was in one of the trailers it was yeah so so it basically kind of happens that but instead of anyone busting it up he just walks in uh he gets in there and he's got, I've got to go. And he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we're just into another scene. Uh-huh. Big plane fight plays out like trailers. Plane crashes near the Wonder Wheel for the big fight. Old crappy suit is destroyed. Vulture is defeated, but probably not killed because of the daughter somehow. This takes her out of the running to be a long-term love interest, but leaves everyone vaguely okay. I'd say that's pretty, pretty spot on. Yeah, the daughter wasn't... I, I wondered whether the dance was going to happen somewhere on you know Coney Island and it would be all nearby, but it's, yeah, they just, she isn't there in that scene, but yeah, I thought she might So be. I have a question for you, uh, as someone who knows, knows is there a bad, f- a female villain from Oregon in the Spider-Man? Oh, uh, because of, like, we're going to Oregon, it's it's apparently really nice. So you're going to pull like a Talia um, al Ghul? No. No, okay. I don't think she is. I think... She's uh, gone. That's, that, that's it. I think she's probably gone. Okay is the sad truth of it, which is a shame because there's quite a lot more... I think she'd be great as a villain. ...potential yeah. to have there. Yeah. But no, I don't think there is any no. form of... I don't think there is any link there, actually. There's not like a... To be had. Yeah, a, a Poison Ivy-style pine needle-based villain from Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> or like a hipster from like a like Port- right. Portland girl or something. Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, not that I can remember. Jay, if he was on here with us, might know better. But I, yeah, no, I Does think. Does he know any... more Spider Man lore than you? He, no, he's just better at remembering things, generally. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've probably both read a very comparable amount of Spider Man in different ages. Like, I, I went back in my teens when they were doing the. Uh, I think they just called it Spider Man Classic and they did the Marvel Milestone editions. And I read a lot okay. of the 60s stuff, which I really still like. You know, the, Oh, cool. Uh, Steve Ditko, um, Stan Lee run, and then um, oh, who took over from Ditko? I've forgotten that now. I don't know why I want to say this, but Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma, yeah. When Brian De Palma did his run on Spider Man, <laughs> it was sexy as fuck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, um, yeah. But he would he would have been reading what was current in the nineties, and I was reading most of the old stuff. Uh, okay, so gotcha. so he was he was like Todd McFarlane, like he was big on that Todd McFarlane era. And uh, and I was reading a lot of the older stuff back then, so we, we yeah he but he would just remember he remembers like usually it's like him that I go to when I'm like who was the character who would did this, um, yeah but, and that's you know why he's end up working where he works because he's very good at knowing shit sure but uh, but yeah he he'd be the one to ask but I don't think so I don't I don't certainly don't remember anything obvious my thought was that the bitterness was going to be there you know a la James Franco slash right. Willem Dafoe you know that's fair um, but I don't. I don't. If they do it, then it's. I don't think it's going to be based on anything unless it's something I haven't read or don't remember. But resolution sees Peter back in school, unable to be Spider-Man, but okay with just living his mundane school life, being a teen, and everything that was 
uh, everything that was angst at the start. Uh, happily not being Spider-Man until Tony shows up to give him the super suit back, and he's like, all right then, because you can have your cake and eat it. Apparently you can't have your cake and eat it. Because he said no, didn't he? He said no to being... Well, I think he kind of can. He, he, he said no to being an Avenger, but he still got the suit back at the yeah. end there. Yeah, he did. Well, I suppose actually... Made, okay, yeah, I was right. That's yeah, fine. you were right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, that's this, this, this uh, perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that uh, slightly different, but again, some of that last scene was in the goddamn trailer. Yeah, there was no need for it. Uh, then the last line. Uh, last line. Also, somehow... Zendia, Zendaya, I don't know how you pronounce it, is actually Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy. So called it. Yeah, she was, it was, there was, I didn't know whether it was as going to be easy as Michelle. Well, you, no, yeah. that's not my name. You got it wrong, you fucking morons. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've been getting my name wrong this whole time. It's actually Mary Jane. Yeah, or something like yeah. that. Or maybe she was Gwen, but they just did Gwen in uh, the Amazing Ones. They did, that's so, true. So maybe, you know, switch back to Mary Jane. It was just like, I don't know how they're going to do this, but it's clearly not just going to be Michelle. You know, it's no. going to be... But the, I, again, it was like another one of those things where it's like, oh, we're not going to set this up with a big scene. It's going to be easy as we're just going to say something and that's fine. So uh, they just said, oh, yeah, my friends call me MJ. It's like, you don't have any friends. And she's like, fuck you, I'll kill you or whatever she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this every one of her bits, like, and this is where I really started to enjoy it. There's a bit where she could just be like, you know, at the party, and she'd be like, am I? Or whatever. And you could swap out almost all of her replies for like, fuck you, I'll kill you. And she's absolutely yeah, she like, <laughs> she's just a bubble of boiling rage. Yeah. Time. Like uh, 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 on the stage when they're doing the... Um, oh, the rehearsal for the the academic decathlon, yeah. Decathlon thing. And she's like, he also quit uh, whatever. What? Yeah. I'm not stalking him. I'm just really observant. <laughs> yeah. like, fuck you, I'll kill you. <laughs> um, I really liked... Um, and I think this actually it might have been as late as this that it, she really won me over was that she is this kind of sort of background kid with her own interests. You know, she's very much a powerfully yeah. introverted character type and everything. And she's got all these books and she's got all these thoughts and everything, um, you know, as that teenage character, but she was still in the swimming pool with That's them. That's true. She was in that scene where he's looking through the yeah. roof, looking at all the other kids playing. She's in there still reading a book, sat on the edge of the swimming pool or whatever. And I right, was just so she's like, still around, like like because uh, that kind of character you'd think, well, she just stay in her room. Yeah, but she's not. So she feels that like yeah. pull or whatever. And then maybe I'm reading too much into character, but I, I really like that. I really like that they thought about she's not just going to be the shut in. She's nicely. complicated, and and yeah. I, I really, um, I really appreciated that in 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 getting past what I thought was the slightly hyper introduction of the character. To the point that she went from being one of my probably like mm, I'm not sure about this to being one of my favorites by the end of it. Yeah. So okay, good. No, I thought I thought she did a great job with that with that character. Um, and maybe on, maybe on rewatch I'll pick up some of the the, the introduction problems. No, it's um, probably just me to be honest. And again, the scene where she's introduced was in the trailer where um, they're watching Liz hang the banner, and then she's to one side going like, "Fuck you, I'll kill you" or whatever. And uh, yeah, and she's just like sat there like you know you know I don't have any friends. Why? Yeah, they go, "Why are you sat with us?" And she's like, I yeah. don't have any friends. Um, but it was just, she just felt a bit like, you know, they didn't paint her as new at school or whatever. No, she was just that, that kind of... an easy out. Yeah. The, the, the new kid, yeah. But they just they just made her that, like, she's just that weird kid. And I was just like, yeah. oh, is that... I'm not sure that that's good enough. And then they, they you know, subtly expanded and expanded on it until it was uh, um, good enough. It really, you know, it really was good enough. But, uh Okay. I ended up really, really liking the portrayal of the character in its subtleties more than anything else. Um, none of the female characters in it particularly well. 
uh, fleshed out in terms of the story. But it's it's kind True. of a it's a Spider-Man film, so I think I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't th- I, I don't think they're especially one-dimensional. You know, no. not, not not to the point where you could kind of say that that they just weren't thought of, um, because the the Liz character at first, when when she's first introduced, you kind of think, well, she's just popular girl, but it, it quickly becomes apparent that she's much more than that. Um, mm. Even even if it's not delved into too deeply, there's more substance to her than oh, she's just the pretty popular girl who Peter admires from afar. Um, and the same is true with uh, with the with the MJ character, and uh, yeah, I suppose uh, Aunt May as well. I, I don't I don't think there's any 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 characters there unless I'm forget forgetting any. Uh, there might be. I think there's one other girl on the academic team, isn't there? The academic decathlon team. But to be honest, the 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 other males on the academic decathlon team, like the the kid who uses the bell as a, as a comedy tool yeah oh, he's amazing and he was great the glasses yeah. as well yeah just yeah the, the little like little asides they give them they're just yeah. such great comedic and I think, performance i think and i think they gave they gave that those sorts of asides equally to all of the that that crew of, of actors who were on the academic decathlon team so mm. uh, yeah i don't think that there was any kind of neglect in that in that respect or objectification or anything like that though i never seemed to be helpless or anything no the only thing they did like that was was where um he rescues liz on her own with the, the with the with the webs in the elevator yeah. and stuff, but it was kind of like a but flash storms ahead with the trophy and stuff. So it's not like she's paralyzed or anything. Yeah, I love I like the way they did that. They made him a, a dick in that a, scene. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like she's paralyzed by fear or or, or needs to be rescued. No, no. That, there are other films out at this moment that I have huge okay. problems with their portrayal of women, um, uh, and maybe this has issues too. Like it very much doesn't. It, or it won't pass that like Bechdel test thing, you know, because you, you, your female characters for the most part are either isolated or interacting with males. But then I kept, the more I thought about that, it's just like, well, that's kind of like high school, isn't it? Because like the boys are always like uh, talking about the girls and the girls are always talking yeah. about the boys. That's just kind of how high school kind of was, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, I went to a boys school, so I don't know, but. The boys are talking about the boys? <laughs> boys are talking about the boys, yeah. And and everyone wants to bang that music teacher or whatever. Mr. Farrow? Um <laughs> Yes, Mr. Farrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had the worst classroom management skills in the history of the world. Like every music class was just barely organized chaos. And I remember, <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this. Why would he, Why would he uh, be listening? <laughs> maybe he just really wants to hear a podcast about Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, yeah, he's like, that's the one, I'll gab. Yeah, I'll gab, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I remember overhearing, we had Ofsted inspectors. Ofsted, for those listening outside of the UK, is the, the regulatory body for, for state-run schools in the UK. And they do inspections periodically. And I remember hearing him talking to one of the Ofsted inspectors and he was just like, and he just said, they just take, they just take the piss. They're just taking the piss. That all they do is just take the piss. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, he couldn't go any deeper than that. No, pretty much not. Things. No, no. Love it. His thing was now and put his hand, finger in the air. Now that was his attempt to, to, to control the classroom. He was about five foot two and played the saxophone. And everyone wanted to bang him. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason but um okay so yeah on my predictions i I'm, i think you did pretty like, well i did pretty well and i'm annoyed by how well i did i think that speaks to how yeah how poor the marketing was yeah. and or how uh thirsty sony was for a hit you know yeah, like yeah, they yeah. just desperate um because my understanding was marvel made it essentially money comes from sony oh really okay 
because you know they have, they have the rights to Spider-Man still. So it was co-production, but essentially like they're like, "Who's the money?" And then it's money. You know, make just a film that's a success. Make Please. us a hit, and then yeah. they make it, and then Sony market it. Okay, which which kind of makes I, I mean I think that that's the, the the best hybrid situation they can really be in because Marvel has a track record now of making really popular high selling films, and Sony has some money I suppose, yeah. and, and a track record of making some flops. So, but yeah, because of the marketing that way, I think Sony were just like you pump it all out, pump it out. So you got yeah. this like very un Marvel advertising campaign, which was just it's kind true, of like. Yeah compress it to three minutes and just shit it out you know <laughs> and um and so that's what we got again and again and again and i know i go to the cinema more than a lot of people so i mean but the mic have to come a point and i've never been this guy before where I, at some point i just shut myself off to the marketing of certain films and even in the cinema I, you know put jam my fingers in my ears like yeah. la, 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 <laughs> you know? um to just because i can't i can't bear the uh the feeling of, of being in the cinema and, and being into something and then being like, Oh wait, that scene hasn't happened yet. So, Oh, I've just figured out the ending of the film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this was, this was very much that one to start with. And hence why I thought like, okay, I'm going to try and write it all down and you'll go to uh, Instagram and you'll see my page of madness notes where I was working out the story. And uh, yeah. And ultimately I did get uh, the broad beats of it. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I think, is, I think um, like you said, it, it does kind of speak to the fact that, I mean, I, I don't think we should take all the credit away from the fact that, you know, you, you understand the structure of film and, and, and can guess that sort of thing. It's an educated guess. It's not just kind of like a blind guess based on the trailers, but the trailers definitely informs you to an extent. Yeah, but equally, I'm not going to be like, yeah, look at me, I beat bloody Disney. No, you no, know. no, no. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a problem with trailers in general. I think this this is a particularly bad example of it, just because of the number of trailers. And and I'm, I yeah. I don't go to the, the the movies as much as you do, but I, even I was a bit overloaded with how many trailers there seemed to be for it. And I was like, this just yeah. feels a little bit different than the last one. I might not have spotted it at first until I spoke to you, but I I do remember kind of going to the cinema a couple of times within a couple of weeks and seeing two trailers and being like, I feel like I saw more of the film in this. I feel like I'm seeing the whole yeah. damn thing. And it's a bit of a disease with trailers right now. This is just happens to be a particularly egregious example, I'd say. I'd say we've backed off it a little bit. I think oh, good. that um, like this is this feels like a return to that kind of like put everything, put everything that's money in the trailer, you know? Yeah. Um, like I feel like Martin campaigns, certainly with the Marvel ones, have got quite subtle in how they, you know, they'll drop in basically bits from the first 20 minutes and then flashes of other things, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and and that or a lot of the trailer will essentially be a compacted version of one scene just to get you excited. You know, and then right, it'll be yeah. like, and all this other cool shit uh, too fast. And yeah. then it That's doesn't true. show you how the flow of an entire action scene or several action scenes will go. Sure, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll give my... you character and and create want, and then move on. Yeah, maybe my perception of that's a little bit outdated. Then I could just have not been paying attention to them. Them kind of remedying that a little bit. But yeah, so I, I liked it. I'm, I'd be happy to see another one. I'm happy to follow this Spider-Man for quite a while, actually. Yeah. Um, in terms of you saying you didn't know, like, how did you feel about the the lack of um, origin for this version of Spider-Man? Just have interest. I was fine with it. Um, yeah. I, th- I think I think we all. Well, maybe that's a bad statement, but at this point, I know Spider-Man well enough, and I think most of the audience is well versed enough in knowing where spider-man came from that they 
they didn't need to do another origin story. It didn't need to show the spider biting or anything like that. And they did mention it a little bit, like when when, uh, when Ned finds street. out and they're walking down the street, yeah, and he's kind of kind Quite of telling to him, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and do you lay eggs? That was kind of funny. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't think they needed. They don't don't think they needed to do it at this point. I think it would have felt. I think it would have added twenty minutes to the film that didn't need to be there. So I right. was. I thought it was a fairly brave decision to just kind of jump into Spidey, Spidey, um, and. Uh, obviously i hadn't seen the crappy suit that he made which i really liked i thought that looked fabulous and uh yeah no i just i, I thought we there was in it was inferable enough you know there's enough okay. impl- implication in there that we, that we didn't need 10 15 minutes of it on screen i thought when i said i thought they were going to have a, a bit more for marissa tomei to do i thought they were going to introduce at least the idea of an uncle ben oh okay yeah yeah because um, that's just kind of the thing she's been through that's about as much as they say about it isn't it I don't think they even say that much, do they? they, they there was that, yeah. They they did say, they did say something about like, oh, you know, the things she's been through. You know, there was there was a there was a moment where Peter says something like that, um, okay. and it's it's kind of making reference to it a little bit, but only if you know that origin. Um, I think if if you went in cold, and I should ask my wife actually because she'd probably be able. To, I'd, 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 we saw the first Amazing Spider-Man together a few years ago uh, when it came out, and. But I don't know if she cares enough to have retained that and know that the Sp- Spider Man's origin. Oh, we know. should have had her on as guest. I, I asked her; she didn't want to do it. Um, okay. Um, so, but do you want to come on the show? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. All right, there you go. Unequivocal. Um, Never ask me again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I think I think. It would have been interesting, and maybe they'll delve into that a little bit in in the next one. Is there a next one scheduled, slated? Yeah, so um, I think it's come out since this one opened that there is a plan to do five. 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 Wow. Uh, five uh, times. Five. Five times. Which is actually Ferris Bueller. We'll we'll come back to oh, Peter yeah, Ferris yeah. Bueller. Okay. Just yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, so there's a he'll Spider-Man will next appear in uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Okay, and then so the Marvel slate as it stands right now, you get um, Ragnarok, then you get Black Panther, then yep. you get oh, that was uh, the other trailer. Oh, you got Black Panther trailer? Yeah, it looks fantastic. Nice. I don't know anything about Black Panther. I know nothing about Black Panther at all. You need to see Civil War because again, he's introduced in Civil okay. War. Okay. Oh man, that's, strokes of it. Pumped for that! I loved the, the whole idea of this hidden country and stuff, and yeah, it was cool. Okay, sorry. It's, oh, it's going to be so badass! I've only seen the trailer on uh, uh, YouTube and shit. Oh, okay, um, yeah. But I, I really want to see that projected because it looks such a rich universe. It does. Um, or rich, not universe, because we're already we're already in a rich universe, like a uh, solar system. <laughs> no, it's going to be smaller than that, hasn't it? It's like Planet. a country narrative sorry. landscape. Narrative landscape. There you go. Okay. It looks like a such a rich narrative landscape. It really and, does. Um, and uh, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really bought into that. And again, it looks different. Whereas I was getting a bit, you know, down on the the concretey looking Marvel ones, like the yeah, Captain America ones mainly. Yeah. Um, like again, that looks so different and so vibrant and so like, look, we've we've got like thirty different art teams all coming up with different stuff. Yeah, it's nice. And um, good use of Cap yeah. in, in this film, by the way. I thought it was. Fun. Yeah. Did you like that? Just just the, the PSAs. Uh, yeah. I think I think he's a war criminal at this point, but you know. Whatever. Yeah, I like that they bothered to throw <laughs> that in because they did. It was a bit weirdly unaddressed. Like you haven't seen Civil War, but there's certain events of Civil War that I would expect 
even two months later, Tony to not be that flippant about. Okay. Yeah, you I kinda, know, I kinda... not even that actually, because he's still got the black eye. So in that in that oh, bit, true, three, yeah. two months later, they've just come back from uh, from Germany. Uh, and when you see what happens in Germany, it's kind of like I don't think he'd be this laughy jokey yet. Okay, you know? he'd still be feeling the hangover of the series events that had just gone down. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. especially one specific event, but I'm not going to spoil okay. it. Um, but yeah, when you see that, I'd be interested to see if you think that that characterization is true, unless it's more into his character type, where it's kind of like, I'm going to hide it behind humor, you know? Yeah, no, watch Civil War. I'd be, and uh, let me know what you uh, what you think. In fact, uh, maybe we'll do another five-minute add-on to this once you've seen Civil War. Yeah. Or next week. We'll do it next week. Yeah. Um, uh, the first Avengers Infinity War film, and then you've got Captain Marvel, and then you've got... Uh, another avengers film you got two within a year which is oh. 2018 2019 wow. and then immediately after that in i think early 2020 is when homecoming 2 spider-man 2 whatever you want to call it whatever sure. they're going to call it that's when the next spider-man happens and i think that's going to be essentially the kickoff to the post uh i suppose we're in phase phase two right now no or i think we're in phase four. Oh, really wow we're in phase four yeah, phase one would have led up to Avengers. Phase two would have led up to Age of Ultron or Ant-Man, depending on where you want to draw the line. And then this would be phase three right now. I want to draw, mm-hmm. the, line, I want to draw the line under Ant-Man because Paul Rudd's in it. Okay, good old I, Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. <laughs> He's amazing. Mr. Farrow doesn't get a look in anymore. <laughs> yeah, take that. Apparently, <laughs> apparently I'm fond of short brunettes. <laughs> that was another bit that actually kind of in Spider-Man to, to go back to the topic where... Yeah, where Flash is DJing and he's got he's got like a DJ flash. Like you know that QVC that awful three in the morning horn. DJ deck. I can imagine it like that. I can imagine that if if you if you played back every episode of the Jersey Shore, that would probably occur once every twenty minutes, that sound. If you speed up all of Jersey Shore. It just sounds like that. <laughs> it just it's just like <laughs> <laughs> So all it is, it's just a very drawn out uh, fake horn. Um, yeah. Ferris Bueller. Oh yes, that was a fabulous little scene. Loved it until they hung a lantern on it. Yeah, until they actually showed a shot of the film. Yeah, and he goes, "Good film," and I was just kind of like, uh, "No, we all no. got it." You know, yeah, we, yeah, we didn't need we that. We all get yeah. that this is a, a thing steeped in John. Uh, uh, oh Christ. John Hughes. I was about to, I, I was about to say John Waters. John no, Waters. I was about to say John Waters, and then I was like, it's very much not speaking John Waters. And then my Divine's in the background like, somewhere. Yeah. It's just kind of like, come on, not John Waters. I'd love to see that, the John Waters Marvel movie. Um, Is he dead? No, no, he's still no? alive. He hitchhiked oh, across America recently. Um, oh, cool. It's kind of weird. I think I don't know if he made a film of it or whether he just did it for, him, for himself. But yeah, we just get like fans to pick him up and drive him places and... He's still an amazing man. So I think they made a documentary about him last year or so. Interesting. Um, but yeah, no, sorry, I threw myself there. But yeah, the um, yeah, it was good, and they were doing it, and then they yeah. landed in front of the kids, and the kid, you expect the kids to be like Spider Man, instead they like, just fucking ah! scream, yeah, because his eyes are going like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are, they, like his suits all messed up. <laughs> yeah. He had those like uh, Christmas lights around uh-huh. him. Yeah, it just I don't know, made me laugh. No, it was very um, fun, but then then yeah, the whole good movie thing, yeah, they didn't need to do that. Yeah, it was a bit too like kind of. Do you get it? Yeah, do yeah. yeah. It was, it was like, back yeah, back okay. to Hitchhiker's Guide. It was like the Marvin in the background and in line. Yeah, every every damn shot, you know, just to make sure you got it. Right. Um, and that was in 
like indicative of a, a very small problem I had with the film that it's very nostalgic, and I'm I'm not a big fan of nostalgia. It played it damn near perfectly, but would occasionally go just that nudge too far. Like if um, the Andrew Garfield ones where you kind of two thousands hipster skate Spider Man. Yeah, uh, this was kind of your eighties revival. Spider Man. Yeah. So you had like I mean, I do like the Ramones, but like you had the Ramones in there, and you had yeah, like Blitzkrieg Bop as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, and yeah. Um, you had current music as well, but uh, there was yeah. there was little bits in there from those sorts of things, well, and it, it and felt very John Hughes. Did you notice that the Homecoming dance was eighties themed as well? Like, yes, it was on, which on, I thought was a nice way of, of yeah. being able to get all those bits in there without being like kind of they're in there because we're we grew up in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I kind of like that it was because you probably would, you would have that now. I quite like Marissa Tomei showing how to dance all eighties. I wish I wish they'd gone a bit more eighties with that. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, it was like kind of swingy arm type type new romantic dances dancing. Yeah. But but uh, I would have I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. Actually, it was kind of fun. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was it was and and they, I think they could have put him in a slightly more eighties suit. It was a bit the suit was a bit early nineties to me to be honest. I was surprised that it wasn't because, like, that would have been the perfect time to introduce the spectre of Uncle Ben if yes. it was his suit. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle uh, Ben and I went. Uncle Ben wore this to our high school prom or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. probably not that far, but yeah, if that was like his, you know, whatever. Uncle um, Ben, but yeah, got shot in this suit. <laughs> it's got a bullet hole in it. <laughs> this is the suit you couldn't save Uncle Ben in. Remember. <laughs> 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 he had it since the 80s so you should wear it he's there in the car just putting his finger through the hole like <laughs> crying <laughs> <a> spider tears <laughs> oh dear you just see the so spider-man the... suit through the hole in there <laughs> no, never mind a john waters spider-man <laughs> maybe this is the darren aronofsky spider-man darren aronofsky spider-man <laughs> um, and that, that scene would be 25 minutes long yeah just there with just... a very slow push yeah, or Nicholas and, and Winding Refn's Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have yeah, been with like, all the eighties kind of. Yeah, would have, that would have worked definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have watched that. Nicholas Winding Refn's Spider-Man or Darren Aronofsky's Spider-Man. Well, you know, red lights on on uh, on his face. So yeah, it would have been. It would just been like, but then it would have been pink and blue and green and red, <laughs> and uh, it would have been quite. It wouldn't be quite as jovial as I just did that. <laughs> it would, and it would be. Uh, uh, is it Ryan Gosling who's in all of his movies? Yeah, Ryan Gosling would yeah. play Spider-Man. Yeah, Nicholas Winding Refn's Spider-Man. <laughs> he still would have been a high school kid, but he would have been thirty. <laughs> yeah, they just wouldn't have addressed it. Much like it. Tobey Maguire. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So the eighty stuff, yeah, worked for me. I thought, but yeah, um, I thought it went pretty well. It, it almost, it almost nudged on too far occasionally. You know, um, it wasn't so far over the top that they had Flash driving an Irock Z or something like that, or Trans Am. <laughs> You know, that that or like a an El Camino or something. It it, it it if they'd done something like that, you might have been like, Ugh, and listening to Duran Duran or something. I think Duran Duran was on the soundtrack somewhere, wasn't it? I think I think they were, but yeah, but Block not... of Seagulls was. I was surprised by that. Uh-huh. No, it's a fairly good yeah. soundtrack actually. I thought. Yeah, I'd, I'd listen to it. I kind of liked uh, Giacchino's score for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was channeling a little bit of Elfman from the Sam Raimi ones. Um, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, a little bit because I really like that Elfman score. I had to. I remember. Um, I, I don't know why it's just popped into my head. I had to import that CD because they didn't oh. release the score on here. Weird. So, and I was a big fan of that Danny Elfman score. I'm not a big fan of Danny, a lot of Danny Elfman stuff, but um, that we one I bloody loved. That, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, just all that diddling, 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 kind of stuff. It's yeah, playing was, right now. There was a moment in There was a moment when, uh, I think it was when he was on the Staten Island Ferry, actually, or, or the plane. He was grabbing onto some moving vehicle where it kind of like, there was a, 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 a glissando um, of trumpets. And it kind of it made me think of Adam West Batman. Of that, you know, that okay. little transition, spinny transition scene with the spinny logo and stuff. And, and I like it, that they did the um, uh, over the Marvel logo. And mm-hmm. I think this was released on YouTube, but I didn't watch it because I was already burnt out on marketing. But the uh, uh, an orchestral version of the um, cartoon theme. theme. They did. They did. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which I kind of thought was was really nice. Actually, I that thought they that was just cool sort too. Of yeah. Drop that in over the logo. Yeah. Um, well, it's a nice way to have all the, all the Marvel stuff there without the uh, like the MCU stings or whatever they use to uh, up front of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios. Oh no, that is stuff. that is the new Marvel logo actually. That uh, no, but, but I mean the sound introduced on Civil War. Oh yeah, 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 sorry, yeah the, right, the, right. rather than having the the, the 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 sound that they would use to to, to generally accompany that logo, they used yeah. something Spider Man specific, so it kind of distinguishes. Yes, it a true. So you have the logo, but you don't have the. I think it's been Brian Tyler who's done the music for that before the okay the dun, 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 yeah kind of yeah um, weird as well. I don't think he said Spider Man at all at the start, did it? I think it literally came up Marvel. I think you're right. And then so you had uh, the pre credits cold open of the TV show kind of thing. Yeah. Then you had business is good or whatever, and then yeah Marvel logo, and then I think it didn't ever say Spider Man Homecoming until the end credits. I think you might be right. Uh, what did you make of um, the Vulture's redemption bit with Mac McCargan in prison? Uh, when he refuses to divulge Peter's identity? Well, he doesn't refuse to divulge it, does he? He says he doesn't know. He says he doesn't know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Which so... I thought was nice. It was kind of like a, that, like he saved, because there was there was a couple of little bits from that, like um, there's a couple of little, tiny little Keaton motions yeah. um, throughout the film where he's kind of like, oh, and Spider-Man showed up on the field trip and whatever, and he's just kind of like, struggling with it you know like yeah. uh he has that little like facial expression where it's kind of like oh well does that mean like spider like saved my daughter but yeah. i've also got to kind of no no it's it's more that i think it's more the struggle of trying to square away the fact that he kind of needs spider-man to die but spider-man also saved his daughter right yeah it's not yet putting together that it's uh good old spider-man right know? and, and, and it's, and, it's well, more that moral quandary yeah it is and and, and to your question about the, the redemption is it a redemption is he truly kind of thankful for Spider-Man saving his life, even though he's put him in jail? Or is he thinking, well, my family, I can't protect my family no matter how far away they are if, if I'm from in here. And they might figure out from social media posts that Peter Parker went to the prom with my daughter and get to the daughter to get to Peter. So that means my daughter's in trouble. So it's actually self-driven. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, didn't think of that. That's a... Uh... That's an interesting take on it. Like, okay, he's not necessarily accepting that Peter is underneath it all kind of good because he saved both him and his daughter. He's trying to protect, still trying to protect his family, which yeah. is which is a running truth throughout the film for him. Oh, I kind of like that, which means ultimately, like, if he does get out, he still could go after Spider-Man. He could, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Actually, nice, nice reasoning. Love it. Okay. Good. Yeah, um, yeah. That, was, that was kind of my thought was because he's he was he was very duplicitous throughout the whole film. So I think, well, why is that suddenly going to stop when he's in jail? Yeah, I, I took it as more redemptive, and I but I like your take on it more. Man, 
comes to something when I'm the one who's uh, who's cynical about <laughs> positive character traits. <laughs> we swap spaces. <laughs> we swap spots. Uh, um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I suppose. We'll yeah, see yeah, as, uh, definitely. We'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how if it, they, it goes on. Who they choose to use as villains for the next one, and whether they, whether they essentially just put him to one side now and, and go down one of the other alleys. But okay, yeah. So that was uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I think uh, I think we both very positive f- from my perspective, and I think the same for you. I was hoping you'd jump yes. in there. Okay. <laughs> so uh, three, two, one. Um, I think uh, Spider-Man, I think we've done all we can on Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, uh, positive reviews from both of us. Uh, really enjoyed it. Looking forward to seeing more involvement from this Spider-Man in the, uh, in the MCU. And, uh, it's in the game. It's <laughs> MCU. It's, it's in, in the, the game. game. Um, but yeah, so uh, next up we're going to be talking about the, uh, the Question Time uh, segment that we, we both watched. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy it. International break. That's the question time theme music. Is it? Unless I'm being very lazy, you've probably just heard that music. So the question that we we uh, decided to discuss was the very last question of the show, and I'm probably going to completely botch exactly the wording of it. But the the essential point was uh, how relevant is the mainstream media these days, right? Yeah, it, it was the questioner asked uh, specifically to young people, but that was very much completely forgotten quite quickly. Yeah, um, by the by the answerers, and I was watching this live. Um, and I was texting you about it. It was like, well, yeah. I was texting you about the whole show because um, the crowd was so rowdy because usually it's quite a respectful, quiet Japanese wrestling style crowd in question time. <laughs> but this night, it was every time there was a question, it was all, it was almost like a rabble, rabble, rabble. Yeah, it was like, yeah. and everyone was like, and you could hear words. And people would like literally respond to someone. So someone would say, I don't believe this. Just like, oh, you should, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, there's probably a link to the, video somewhere in these yes. notes it's worth it's worth checking out just a little snippets of it yeah even during this segment there was there, there was one rowdy moment where the canary lady whose name i've disrespectfully forgotten probably going to prove our point right now said something about there's no doubt that uh that the that the predominant view in the press is from brit uh, for, from white middle class males or something like that and it was mm. rebel 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 they really went they hated that, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just like it's like watching prime minister's questions <clears throat> yes well that was the thing yeah it was so rowdy but anyway so I, I was texting you about it because um, people were giving answers I didn't like or were giving answers I liked as the thing went across and I thought it was worth sharing with you and then this last question seemed to pick up on everything we've spoken about in the last two weeks yeah um, in this portion of the show and um, yeah because it goes to free speech for sure definitely mm. it's one of one of the issues um, that, that surrounds it and uh, yeah it's 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 kind of kind of a, an interesting perspective and and i always forget that the uh the the uk press and the attitude uh, that the relationship between the public and the press uh, or at least the relationship that the press occupy much of their own doing is quite different than the position the press occupy here you know that there are some 
you know, uh, sections of society who will be like, well, yeah, New York Times, they're just a liberal, liberal mouthpiece or something like that. Mm. But there's less of this kind of notion, this, uh, there's a bit of a vilification of journalists, again, not, not entirely by their own, uh, not entirely not by their own doing, I should say. Um, with things like, you know, the phone hacking scandals and uh, stalking victims and that sort of thing, just so they can get a story. Uh, but that was one of the, it was something that I'd completely forgotten about and was reminded of that there's this, this, this somewhat antagonistic relationship, uh, particularly between the tabloid press and the public perception of, of, you know, here it tends to be that the press is the, is the the watch guard of the government and kind of watches and makes sure that the government doesn't get out of hand and isn't doing underhand things. That's kind of the one of the perceptions, I should say. Maybe maybe even the prevailing perception. But in the UK, I'd say it's it's kind of like well, they're they're, they're sleaze merchants and they're just out to get whatever story sells papers, which you know is probably true um, to a certain extent. Certainly at that end, yeah. I mean, yeah, over the, there, my perception feels to be you've kind of like got a bigger gap. Whereas yeah. here, the the certainly in terms of the press, you have like the, the what used to be the broadsheets, and in fact, I think the Telegraph is now the only one that actually prints on a broadsheet. Oh, yeah. Um, at that end, which do a similar job as your Wall Street journals and things. the New York Times, yeah, yeah, and and then you have the the tabloid end of it, which is like the Sun and the Mirror and everything, right? Which um, which you really don't we, have here. That there really well, isn't. No, you kind of do though. You have the Post. I would say like the New York Post kind of is very much that. They'd probably protest that though. Oh really? Yeah, I don't think they would. They, I don't think they would embrace that label because the, the, the Post okay. is only perceived as being so because it's not uh, especially metropolitan elite liberal type line. It's kind okay. of a more Republican line, but I don't think I don't think they would. And and who knows how legitimate it is? I, I think it, it if if the if they do occupy that space, they're probably the only one that I can think of. Because what you refer to as a tabloid here would be like the National Enquirer, which is just bullshit. Oh yeah, no, you have that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the gap. Yeah, much bigger. bigger. And I would say the Post is probably the the like okay if it's a scale from respectable, yeah. genuine, you know, at the far end with your. Wall Street journals and stuff, yeah. And then as you move along, they're in the middle. kind of the yeah that you hit the post first, and then inquire and everything comes after. Yeah. Whereas I would say with us, you've got Guardian and everything up here, Gronier up here, yeah. And then and then you hit your expresses and your, your mirrors your mails. and your mails and your no. Well, I would say the the your Daily Express and your mail and all those kind of like pseudo intelligent tabloids and then you hit the red tops gotcha okay so yeah so i'd say the, the mail from, from my perspective at least i'd say that the, the post probably does fit in with that express mail category yeah so i suppose the and there really isn't anything yeah, that occupies right, the sun actually. space yeah you go straight to garbage dump yeah, exactly straight to the daily sport bat boy yeah yeah th yeah the sport <laughs> and the star yeah bat boy <laughs> bat boy lives <laughs> um I love Bat Boy. Um, I remember seeing like Dog Boy as well. You know, a woman shagged up with a dog, and there's a dog-human hybrid that's been born. It's like, even as like an eleven-year-old seeing that, I was like, "What is that? Like a joke?" How much fun must it be to work on those papers, though? Oh yeah, you go to work. You go to work as a journalist. Like your job title is journalist, <laughs> but you just go like, just Bat Boy. Just write write anything. Yeah. <laughs> Write anything and see whether the art guys can come up with something to support it because <laughs> it's just nonsense. Yeah. Like, uh, there was definitely a time when I bought 
the Inquirer, when they used to do the um, the weekly print over here, and you would get almost like the best of. So it would oh, be like, like a digest, a, kind of. Yeah, like a digest, and okay. you would get that. I, I could be wrong, but my feeling is you would get that once a week over here when I was in my late teens. Okay. And I used to buy that every now and again because it was, it was just hilarious garbage dump territory, you know. Like, <laughs> and, but it would be because it was so condensed. Actually, maybe the Inquirer is a weekly thing over there. I'm not sure. It's not daily. I know. I think it's a weekly. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we just got the Inquirer. It wasn't a digest yeah. at all. But yeah, you would get it, and it was it was just hilarious rubbish, and I would just buy it. Every <laughs> but so one of the points that was brought up fairly early in the uh, after the question was asked was about uh, what kind of referred to the rowdy moment was about diversity in the media. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I suppose from I don't even know if it's a really a, a problem because. Uh, and that, that's true. I don't know. I'm not saying I don't think it's a problem. I'm saying I really just don't know. Uh, because with the you know proliferation of online uh, news sources and journalism and, and social media and all that sort of stuff and people sourcing their information from different places, is the discourse, the prominent discourse, still written by the, I want to say Harley Street, but I don't think that's right, is it? That's, that's like that's a doctor's age. Fleet Street. Fleet Street. Is it, is it still writ written by the people who write newspapers because as the question ask asking her, that's not a word the, the person asked the question, the question um said uh he's <laughs> like it, people he knows under 30 don't buy papers and i know that's that's always been the case for me i've never, never really I, I tried at one point to get into the habit of buying a couple of newspapers uh like the times and stuff and uh and just never really got anywhere with it so i i think the there's a generational thing that a lot of people who are getting their news are not getting that from the traditional sources. So yeah. is, is the fact, and I think it is a fact that um, the vast majority of people within that industry are uh, white male, middle to upper class. Is that really a problem in terms of the discourse and, and, and what information because most the, of the people gets? buying it are probably your middle-aged white males anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. My, my thought on that was, because I'm not sure whether it was the question asking her or whether it was um, just a, another question commenting in there, um, was the guy who said that, oh, yeah, I asked people on social media and they said they don't buy papers. That was the and asker, that, yeah. Was that the asking? That was the asking, yeah. And the asking her. And, um, but the, his comment was it, what it didn't. It said, oh, yeah, they're getting most of their news online. And yeah. I was thinking like, yeah, but most of them are probably still getting it from – like the mail online, the mail online, yeah. and, and the, the, they're they're getting it from newspaper websites, so that's kind of the same thing. Yes, um, so, so that's exactly what I thought because I I kind of thought, well, is it just that there's there's like it's it's being laundered in a way, you know, that it might not be, laundered. you know, what I'm saying like they might be getting it from other people, um, news, but it, but it's but but that that original source might be from like the mail or someone like that, but yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's you know, news laundering. Yeah, but it's a matter of like links I see on on different places that still go back to a traditional um, still print, or well, in the case of the Independent, I suppose probably not still print, but um, go back to one of those traditional four or five um, sources. Yeah, you know, you do get you know the the Canary was one that I didn't know existed for a while, and then and then seems to be everywhere. Or was everywhere for a short period of time. Now I don't really see it so much anymore. Well, it's interesting um, as well. That must be a fairly UK perspective as well, because when you mentioned the Canary, when you were texting me about this, when you were watching it, I was like, "What? The what?" Because I've never, I never clicked a link to the Canary, honestly. 
But Sorry. your mother, weirdly, was one of the when it when it first took off. Your your mother posted a link to it, and then it was like there was a day or a space of maybe two three days where everyone almost seemed to be posting links from this site. And maybe it was when it launched because it's you know yeah, it's, it a, it's, a, it's a relatively new thing. But it seemed like everyone was sharing links from it, different oh, ones. Okay. But I, I remember thinking like, what the hell is this canary thing? Is yeah. this an American thing? And uh, and no, it's not. It's here. Huh. Um, but I, so I don't know how it got in front of those people because sometimes you must have seen it like on Facebook or wherever. People will post this, these news things, but the, the website addresses they come from are the most random things. Yeah. And I kind of think no one's going to that site. Where are these people finding these links? You know? Yeah, yeah, and and, and yeah. Where does it start? Is it, that's what I always think because it's like, well, they're not. You're right. They're not pulling it from that. They're not pulling that link directly and posting it. They're sharing mm. it from somewhere else. But but who was the originator? I'd love it if yeah. there was a there was a because I think is it on Tumblr? I think on Tumblr you can you can track back to see who the original poster was. Oh uh, yeah, you can like reblog or whatever. Right, yeah. I'd love I'd love to see, I'd love to see that feature on Facebook to be able to like click. That might be a good way of them if you're listening, Buckerzerg, Zuckerberg, <laughs> Buckerzerg. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be a great yeah, transparency Mark, Mark feature. Mark, you know, yeah, calm Buckerzerg. Um. <laughs> <laughs> if if you could click that link and you could see like link history or something like that and see where it originated, I think that'd be a really interesting way of kind of increasing the transparency of 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 where people are sourcing this stuff from. Yeah, I suppose a lot of a lot of things are you just hit that share button, aren't they? But yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just get like it's a you know wxqx dot you know yeah. something dot blogspot dot news or whatever, or exactly, some yeah. website address like that's literally a dot com that you've never heard of. But sure. But I do find that weird. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, back to the um, the question, though. Like, what was your take on the answer that Liam Fox gave? Because that was the one that made me think, oh, we should talk about this. Because I don't tend to agree with what Liam Fox says ever. And his answer to the question of why you needed the media, I thought was a bloody strong answer. And probably the only bit of that show that, I, he said something that I actually agreed with. Do you want to summarize that answer? No. Okay. <laughs> <Neither> <laughs> I, do I wouldn't I. do it. I wouldn't do it justice. But he said it was. He. Hang on a minute. Well, I, frankly, I don't think you would be in the audience, or we'd be on the panel if there was no purpose uh, to the exchanges that for were younger having. voters. For for younger voters, for all voters, of which we have many. For all voters, this. I think I think that we need to get as much public discourse uh, as possible. Um, Perhaps we need to look at the formats that we have in terms of whether they're interesting to, to young voters, whether we're creative enough in the way that we get the messages out. But, you know, the, the, the more uh, we can get information, the more we can get people involved in the political process and public policy process, the better. I think we would all agree on that. Um, uh, I think that uh, the media does need to, to innovate. But the other thing that we require a free media for is a counterbalance to our political system. We need a media that is able to say things that politicians don't like. There needs to be an ability for people to express views we don't necessarily want to hear. That is how you keep a free and open society. And that hopefully is the legacy we would want to give to younger people. Right. You've just heard his answer. Okay, excellent. So I would, yeah, I'll drop the audio in back there. Okay. Um, or some of it. Uh, yeah, and that's, so that's what he said. And just the idea that you needed it for government and it kept government in check and those yeah. sorts of things. Whether whether he was being disingenuous or not, 
Who knows? Um, yeah, but it was but, a strong answer. Yeah, yeah. Whether, whether he meant meant, <laughs> meant it, or, whether he meant it or not, I think that it, it is a very valid point. I, I do think that the that the press is kind of because they're the ones who are focusing on it. Um, you know, we in our daily lives, it's not our job to 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 kind of watch what government's doing and and kind of hold a mirror up to it and and, and disseminate it and kind of say, hey, this is a bit shady. Uh, so we tend to take our eye off of it. So I think that having something like the press where that really is their job or that, that should be their job at least is is a, a good thing. Um, and that's why I think I agree with people like Ian Hislop when I say, when when he says things like, you know, a free a free press, though it might not be pretty, is, is quite vital to a free and open society. Um, I, I think that having too much press regulation is 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 scary uh it's it's a you know not to use a slippery slope argument but it's definitely the beginning of, of something quite ugly uh when you've got when you've got an overseeing body of any kind that says that has veto power or has some kind of power to say hey yeah we, we don't want you to print this well it, it's it's a it's like a discussion <clears throat> talking about uh, the, the flying dog thing and free speech it, it, you can't really you can't really have those sorts of regulations in all that kind of power disseminated to, to, to the government because at some point down the road, there's going to be a government that you don't agree with or someone in that position that you don't agree with and mm. they're going to have that power. Um, because I, you gave it to them because, when it was someone you did agree with. Exactly, when there was an expedient issue and there was something you really cared about that that, that you wanted to be regulated, you know, that you want, you know, this, there was a, there's actually a really good interview. I'll, I'll post a link to it in, in the, uh, in the description of this, there was a, a really good interview with, um, I, I don't remember the, the, the woman, but I believe she was some kind of MP or Lord or something like that. Uh, and Ian Hislop on channel four news okay. where she, her daughter had been the victim of some horrible crime. Uh, and, and and the the press had been truly really quite horrible uh and Ian Hislop's position was was pretty staunch on it and 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 might have seemed a little bit uncaring but he said even in a, a circumstance like this that is absolutely horrible and yes they behaved incorrectly there are laws that take care of things like stalking and harassment uh and even libel um, so to add an additional layer of, of bureaucracy or of, of regulation that is specifically targeted at saying to the, the, the free press, you can or cannot print this is, uh, not, uh, not only unnecessary, but actually detrimental to, to anything that, that, that might potentially need to be, need to come out in the future where it's not politically expedient to the government of the time. Yeah, no, I could agree with that. I'd be interested to see that because his love usually speaks very well on the issue. Um, it was a bit of an ambush interview as well because he didn't. I don't. Oh, I, don't I don't think he knew that 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 that, that the other guest was going to be on there. Um, so yeah, it was. It is. It is a fairly interesting interview. So I'll, I'll dig that up and put the uh, nice. put the link in the description. <clears throat> um, I thought towards the end of the segment, Stella Creasy, who I became a big fan of during this, um, the whole show, the whole hour. Uh -huh. um, said what we were saying last week actually which was about you know considering whose bias it was and what the sources were and, and things like that and actually just knowing and she said crucially like there was a there was a place for um 
what did she call it? Like analysis and opinion and fact. And you had to, we had to know what's the difference. What? What's what? And yeah. we, you know, we had to stay educated on what was opinion and what was fact. And yeah. that was kind of like, yes, yeah, I, that's, you know, everything I agree with was distilled in that. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, the, the only <laughs> the only thing that I, the, the, I suppose, just thinking about that statement, one of the notes that I made, and uh, I, I kind of mentioned it to you when I was when I was watching it, is uh, it was impartiality in journalism is a fucking pink unicorn, because I think this notion that you can have true impartiality, like absolute objective, impartial reporting all the time or you can kind of say here's the impartial objective part of the show is is somewhat of an unobtainable goal i think there's got to be some understanding and this kind of goes back to our, our discussion with about adam curtis and one of the things that i really respect about adam curtis is he says i'm a journalist here's my perspective and he's very transparent about it one of the things that bugs me and has bugged me for a long time is that a lot of the press claims transparency or sorry, sorry claims objectivity but it's very clear that they're not. Mm. Um, so I think I think we need to kind of grow up a little bit and kind of acknowledge, okay, everybody has some kind of opinion. And even if they're striving to be as impartial and objective as possible, there is there is something, there is, uh, there's, there's going to be a slant of, of some kind there, even if it's subconscious and not intentional. So, uh, you know, I'd love to... I don't know how you solve this. I don't really have a solution because I suppose you could publish bios about journalists and say hey this reporter you know believes this voted like this or something i don't know i don't know how you how you fix it but i, I, I think, think just acknowledging as as, i think it's as easy as paying attention to what you're reading and yes. not not doing some more bio work yeah essentially yeah. it's like read it and 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 like i was always taught consider the source you know like so like read it what what you know, what uh, journal of note is it in? You know, like if it's in the Telegraph, you know the paper already goes a little bit one way. Sure. Um, and then literally read between the lines. You right, know, like, absolutely. Okay, so the article's about this. What purpose does it serve for it to skew things a certain way or why would the person believe that? Rather than just taking everything you read as a kind of um, objective fact, like why why would it be this way and and just think about more what you read rather than just like nom 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 you know just yeah. take it all in and just be kind of like okay yeah that's and just assume it's true yeah exactly I, and i i definitely agree with that and i think that that, that being more did you not get that from nom 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 <laughs> is that not enough for you to just <laughs> well i understood it but you know the audience <laughs> i know come on it's it's 25 past one in the morning yeah i, I only woke up i'm like on some sort of weird jet lag kick <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that taking things, being more critical about whatever you consume, from a particularly from a current affairs perspective, is is important. And I did I did watch a question time that was around uh, the the time of the election. I think it's in between Brexit and the and the most or the the most recent election being called and the election actually taking place. And there are there are a couple of people on there on both sides of the issues um, who clearly were that that non-critical consumer of information who were just repeating either party lines or opinions that they'd heard or as if they were fact and, and as if they were their own opinion as well, because they just yeah. essentially, it, it was, and it, I mean, it seemed obvious to me that they just consumed that and got, and just 
gone, yeah, okay, that ticks all the emotional boxes for me. I'm just going to repeat it. And it goes back to that that discussion that we had with uh, during Adam Curtis about about people uh, not analyzing and, and and they did get very kind of uh, bristly when 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 other when others would challenge them or when someone from the panel would push back you know oh it's just obvious was kind of the the sort of response you know oh yeah I can't mm. believe you think that you know that sort of thing of that indignance um, which I think is a key uh, I- indicator of uh, someone who's consumed something uncritically um, uh, when they can't respond to it reasonably yeah, well, they aren't. They aren't interested in why the other person holds the other opinion. They're more interested in putting up a wall around theirs. Exactly. Yeah, and it's easy to do. We all fall victim to that, especially around things we care about. <gasps> Transformers Five. Transformers um, Five. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Carmella. I'm going to build a wall around Transformers Five. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I, yeah, that's. Yeah, this is why I thought this would be a good topic for one of these because it kind of draws a line under the first two of these we did where, yeah, you know, does. not to... I mean, I'm sure these issues keep coming up because they're both issues we care about, but, like, it felt like it, it neatly was an issue that sort of tied a bow on it because we talked about um, uh, the Adam Curtis thing and then we talked about the um, the free speech flying dog one. But then this sort of almost seems like a kind of delivery... Yeah, method question yeah. around both of those, and we, it's something we hadn't really covered. And definitely, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Because it's interesting, like the. So it wasn't really mentioned in the show, but I I got thinking about like how a lot of these. Um, I got thinking about how a lot of these papers currently are paid for by advertising and things like that, and how that factors into the argument. So. It's not necessarily just a political agenda or whatever. It's like you've That's, got to please advertisers because, yeah. you know, a certain type of article will will need a Pringles ad next to it or whatever. So right, yeah. it's a commercial consideration there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, that's kind of interesting because then, you you know, that's another element where you have this free and impartial press, but it still needs to be paid for by this or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, especially with the, the free papers. And I think a lot of like the Evening Standard and the Metro and stuff, a lot of people do get their news from from those based mm-hmm. on um uh, uh distribution numbers certainly oh really yeah yeah there was actually i mean i'll send you a link for it but there was a the, i mean me and pete i think it was went through my brother went through a, a thing of looking at the distribution numbers a while back on different newspapers because it kind of got interesting to see like oh so how many people read this and how many people read that and they do it pretty much every december i think okay and you can see what the breakdown is i can't remember them off the top of my head right now but with, with things but like yeah, the metro the, though how, how skewed is that because are they still like they still put stacks them on buses and stuff like they did when i was younger Yes, so that would be that would be something you'd have to factor in. So you'd still have a giant, you know, thing of them at uh, uh, train stations, and yeah. you'd still have um, you still have yeah, occasionally just ones just appearing on buses. Yeah, um, and then the second, but the thing is, like that must reach a little deeper because, and this is completely untrackable. But there's going to be a second-hand market for those ones as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. like, because I'll sometimes look at the Evening Standard on the train, mm-hmm. but which someone's bought? That well, no, no, that's just it's a free paper now. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. um, so they'll give those out in London, and then and then they'll make it far and wide. You know, they could they, that could travel 150 miles in, oh, in yeah, the space yeah. of an hour or two. If it just on a train, yeah. And then it's going back. Yeah. So you think across the course of a train, there's that first person who picked it up, and then there's. Um, 
there's going to be any number of add-on people. So the, the actual numbers for those could be both higher and lower if you factor in the, the completely intangible things. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but the distribution numbers for kind of, you know, for a, a broadsheet, um, even a, you know, a, not necessarily broadsheet, but like, a, you know, even one of those, those sort of the, the upper end of that scale papers we were saying about, mm-hmm. you know, even like an VI or, or something like that, you know, where it's a cheap paper, but it's, it's considered higher quality journalism or whatever. Yeah. Um, and versus like a mirror or a free paper or, a, you know, even the guardian stuff. Plus it's really, really interesting seeing these numbers. Um, and I wish I had them now to present to you, but I'll, so I'll send you the link and we'll include it in this and it'd be interesting to see what you make of that yeah, down the line. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see what the distribution was on, on papers still these days and things like that. Um, and, but then yeah, the advertising papers and things like that, I got thinking about, and I don't really have, an endpoint to what I'm saying, but it was, I got me thinking about it in terms of what people were saying. And Stella Creasy said at the end, and she said about, um, so would you be a, where was Nick Ferrari from? Was he from the mail or the express? Yeah. One of the two. I can't remember. I think, I think, think, yeah, I think express, I think the express. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if he, and, and, and Dimble said to uh, Stella Creasy at the end, would you be Canaria or would you, uh, be um, Express, yeah, Express, and she was like, "Well, what for?" And right. that was a beautiful. I thought, answer I, I thought that was a great answer as well. Yeah, I, like, I made again, a note for that. Consider application, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 there is, and and I think that's really useful. I, I hope, I hope that there were some people in the audience who who heard that and kind of it made them think a little bit, because I think when Dimbles asked that question, there probably would have been people who were like, "Oh, Express," or "Oh, Canary." And, mm. you know, took that position before she had the chance to answer. And then when she answered, it might have made them go, Ooh, why did I say that? Why did I immediately leap to that? Why did I immediately dis- completely dismiss the idea of getting my news from the Canary or from the Daily Express? And and maybe there'll be a little bit of reflection and self-analysis and maybe uh, a trend towards more critical thought and, and considering of the, of the source uh, in the future. I really hope so. Um, I don't think not with that audience. I think they they, no, they weren't listening. I'm, they were I'm, shaking their fists. Yeah, and, uh, I'm factoring the television audience as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I didn't. I have to admit, I did enjoy that audience because yeah. literally just well. I mean, it could have happened again tonight. But in sure. my experience, you do not get audiences that uh, are that rowdy on a on a show like Question Time. Not not that often. No, no. I think the last time I saw anything like that was when I, I, I watched the episode that. Uh, Shit, what's his name? Nick Griffin? Is that the the yeah, awful BMP? BMP so yeah, they they had they had him on. Who for those uh, listening again from outside the UK, the the BNP, the British National Party, is a a very extremely uh, right wing fascist party with um, lots of ties to neo Nazism and racism and fo- football hooliganism and all sorts of really unsavory, very unpleasant elements. Um, and uh, the BBC had him on an episode of Question Time about ten years ago, now probably. I was about to say it was quite a while. Like two thousand like, seven uh, or eight, maybe. Like they seem very um, insignificant again. Oh, they do now. absolutely. But for a while, yeah. they, they they for a while they seem to be gaining. It's kind of support. before and then, UKIP was, I was about really to say, and then that big. support moved over to UKIP when yeah. that became. Um, I don't know what the right word is. A little bit more tangible or respectable or yeah. something just bigger, like, really. viable, bigger. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that. One of the few things I actually agree with uh, Russell Brand about, <laughs> and that there aren't many, um, that, that he was on, and uh, I don't think it was Question Time. I think it was 
it was either Newsnight or one of those late late night TV shows. Uh, Nigel Farage, the leader of UKIP at the time, is he is he the leader again now? Or did did Paul Nuttall Paul resigned? I think he after came election, back after Paul Nuttall quit. No, I'm not. I'm not even sure. But anymore. anyway, I think I feel like he's something big again over there. Yeah, but uh, they were both on on this show. Uh, uh, um, Russell Brand and, and Nigel Farage and, and Russell Brand said something to him like, you know, we know where your background is and we're watching you. And I was like, that's, that's, that's kind of quite astute because I do think that a lot of those people who were part of uh, either the English Defence League, British National Party, those more extreme, less acceptable um, right wing parties were subsumed into the more acceptable face of UKIP um, and, yeah. and 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 are there or at least were there until their, their, their decimation in the in the recent election um, and who knows what they'll what they'll be going forward but uh, it, it was it was it was kind of, kind of an interesting perspective and and I, and I thought that and so, so but but going back to to the Nick Griffin thing that audience was for very understandable reasons extraordinarily rowdy. Yeah, I, I think I remember the episode as well. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And he was trying to do oh. that smiley face fascism type thing during that and trying to, you know, disavow himself from uh, all of the, uh, uh, the 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 potential uglier elements that the that the BNP um, that, that that were in within the BNP. And he kind of tried to put a, a legitimate face on it, but he really couldn't do it in the end because there were all these grainy like. SVHS videos from from way back when of him standing next to David Duke, you know, de- declaring the white race to be su- supreme and all this sort right. of shit. So there, okay, that was, yeah, there was no way he could do it. Whereas the, I don't think, uh, as objectionable a character Nigel Farage might be, I don't think he's necessarily a an overt racist. He's more of a casual racist <laughs> if he is a racist at all. He drinks pints. You know, oh, he's yeah, relatable, right. of course. Yeah, he's got he he's got pints. he's got brown teeth and drinks pints. He smokes a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's having every man. It's, 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 it's your typical populism, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean that's yeah. One thing that I noticed in in, in the uh, in this segment though, there was a and that I, I definitely I, I my hackles went up was one of the audience members commented uh, during this segment that uh, she believed that the press was to blame for young people not voting. And my immediate response okay. to that was, I don't think you can blame the press if if people don't get off their butts and vote. Um, if they choose not to vote, there and and I believe that actually not voting is a legitimate political stance. Uh, I know I'm in the vast minority of that, and I believe that uh, laws in like in Australia, there's a there's a it's compulsory voting. I, I think they're, they're quite wrong. Um, uh, but uh, but you know if you choose not to vote, that's fine. Voter apathy is a different problem. And yes, th- actually, that's a big, that's a very good and very valid distinction. Actually, because I was about to raise a a bit of a Misa kind of point yeah. on that. But no, you're right. You're true. Choosing not to vote and voter apathy are very much two different things. Yeah, I think if you think there's no legitimate option that that, that represents you, then mm-hmm. I think not voting is a is a reasonable stance because, you know, it's it's the the whole South Park douche versus a turd sandwich type thing. Mm. Um and you know that was very much the case in the presidential election here recently, though I you know I, I would have encouraged people to vote third party. But uh but but I I think voter apathy is a different thing, and I think that's what this this audience member was was referring to was, uh, you know there were, there were, there was probably a significant portion. Although I think turnout was relatively good in the latest election. I think there was still yeah yeah, yeah no it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I still think there's a portion of people who kind of think oh well you know 
what's my vote going to do? It's only one vote. And there's a there's a, an image that flies around social media that kind of shows, uh, you know, a, a, a line between big crowd of people. And it's like, my vote doesn't count. And it's a whole swathe of people, uh, you know, that, that outnumber the people who actually did vote. And, uh, and and yeah, I definitely think that if you do have a strong feeling and you do want to 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 affect change, then it's a, it's a good way of doing things. But I really don't think that the that the press can be blamed uh, for that directly. Uh, maybe they bear some responsibility in terms of not disseminating or communicating information that might help people make an informed decision. But uh, to a certain point, it's like you say that that that's on the people consuming the information themselves. It's not necessarily on the people providing the information because that information is available. You just got to go and look for it and you got to be Personal critical. responsibility. Again, Absolutely. Isn't it? It's kind Absolutely. of like, you can't just, you have to accept at some point that you are accountable for some degree of yes. what happens in your life. And, and I'm not saying a lot of people do this, but there are certainly some people who would, rush to blame others rather than accept yeah. their own involvement in it. And that oh, yeah. worries me a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a problem everywhere. I think it's something that I, I've mm. noticed noticed where wherever I've been and, and th- there yeah, it's are, definitely not unique to you. Oh not at all. No. There, there are people who who, you know, they, they just want to, to to put the blame on on someone and 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 not take that responsibility for themselves because it's mm. it's much easier to shift that blame than it is to kind of say oh you know maybe it's maybe it's something to do with me yeah it's true yeah um i had a point i was going to add but i can't remember what it was i thought nick ferrari was pretty defensive he's oh he was so defensive yeah um and like ra- racing to to bring um uh the fact that they were complicit in not complicit that's the wrong word racing to bring into it that they were you know involved in bringing the killers of um oh uh stephen lawrence stephen lawrence yeah. justice and uh, things like that and then and the canary woman was just kind of like what you know like, yeah but it was weird actually because that was um something it was again something we spoke about before the the uh the nick ferrari versus the lady from the canary would, would they were both like he was doing the kind of rabble rousing thing and she was doing the manufactured um, offense thing a little bit. And mm-hmm. I, neither of them felt particularly honest. No, they didn't. That's true. And and, and I, I kind of, that was, I thought that was a bit of a shame because I thought for the most part, the, the Canary lady spoke really well. And Nick Ferrari was like the face of a kind of um, uh, a certain sector of the market quite well for a yeah. lot of the show not that i agree with him but but i thought he was presenting that argument quite well and in that question they both seemed to just lose it a little bit um which i thought made the the we haven't mentioned her but the the editor of the economist was on there as well and it made her seem a little better even it though did. her answer was a bit kind of nothing because she was it just kind of yeah. like Sna- we're on snapchat you know yeah. um a little better giving that argument it made her seem much more moderate and, and th- those two much more polarized definitely yes yeah yeah and um, then left creasy in the middle just being like uh oh both creasy and fox just from their point of view as mps just kind of being like yeah no it's a good thing yeah <laughs> so, exactly what did you make of the um uh the the young voter as she self-described in the audience who said about how she sort of flipped it back onto the politicians a little bit and said about the um the uh um uh, i'll cut it in here because i can't remember exactly what she said but um so she had said about how it was um the 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 type of campaign the politicians were running that wasn't 
great either. And I, I kind of agreed with her. The point was not particularly perfectly put across, but she she had said about how um, how the campaigns were run and how you know either side hadn't really put out their message particularly well and, and yeah. everything. And it came back to like Brexit for me, like a lot of people had to go at one side or the other, but there was no, there was no clean campaign run by either side as far as I was concerned. No. What, what, what? It, you can blame the, the, um, the different types of media for young voters not engaging. They can only report what they see. And actually, see. it's the behaviour of the politicians That's that turns fault. us off. Yeah. Trying to obfuscate their perspective, their, their actual, you know, beliefs or, or, or platform by, by just providing kind of easy to, easy to digest sound bites. A little bit of that, but also more the, um, a little bit of that, but more the kind of, um, we'll have, we'll respond to what they said, not say something of our own. Okay. So it's yeah. almost reactionary, like reactionary mudslinging rather than, rather than anyone putting forth. It's, and it's actually, it goes back to flying dog. It's not, these are our opinions and we're confident in them. It's they're wrong. They're wrong. Okay. And, yeah. Over there, but I thought it was really interesting because it was nice to see it. Like, so the media has this place, but then the politicians still have to, you know, because I mean, without the politics and stuff, there wouldn't be a certain kind of journalism. So True. you still have to think about where the where the stories are going to come from, and that's going to be the actions of the elected officials or whatever. Yeah. And and that was where I thought that girl's um, argument or point was was quite valid, even if even if the way it was put wasn't perfect. Yeah, um, I, I, was that the same one who who kind of blamed the press for like low voter turnout? Was that the same person? I don't remember. I thought wasn't that the the it was, lady? It was a it was a, a youngish blonde lady who who said the thing about. I was about to say the blonde. No, this was a, a pale brunette lady. Okay, who said about the point scoring? Gotcha. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Uh, I think unless it was the same lady, in which case she made a. A point that I agree with it and a point you disagree with all in the same sentence. <laughs> and we both grabbed onto the, 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 the points that we uh, we agreed with, which kind of illustrates a point, I think. There you go. Um, but, but then we discussed it rather yes. than just taking that away. And, exactly, uh, yeah. But but no, I, yeah. I, I definitely think that that's a, a valid point that she made, That that uh, and it is something that I think that the press could do better rather than just kind of repeating or... You know that there's there's a certain level of viewer attracting uh, attraction in just showing arguments. You know, mm -hmm. people like Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity, and um, to an extent Rachel Maddow and um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Chris Matthews, have made their bread and butter with this in that they they kind of just set up arguments and go here you go, just shouting, talking heads, shouting at each other. And I think there's a problem with that in the press in in general. And they could do a better job of, uh, of sitting down and talking to people and saying, okay, here's, what do you think? Um, and actually I watched the Paxman interviews that he did on Channel 4 before the election, where he sat down with Theresa May and, and Jeremy Corbyn. Okay, I didn't see those, yeah. Um, and, you know, it was his typical, the typical Paxman confrontational style. But he did ask questions and he did press them for answers. Um, and he, he kind of didn't allow them just to repeat the, the standard talking points, which, um, you know, or, you know, uh, the, the, the kind of party line type stuff. He, 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 he pressed them on things, um, which is, you know, uh, that's the kind of journalism I like to see where there's just, there's not just a, a report that says, 
and politician A slung some mud at politician B who slung some mud back. That's that, you know, while it might be entertaining to, to a certain portion of the, of the audience and, and to me when I was younger and probably less so now, it, it's, it's not useful in, in informing people about what they stand for um, without, you know, you can, you can infer from it, but it's not a positive statement of belief. It's a, it's a, it's a, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Uh, then repeat party line type thing. And it's, it's not that's very helpful. A fair point you just said about when you were younger. So I wonder if does the sensationalist end of it play better with it? You know, if, if the root of this question was about a younger audience engaging with it, does the sensationalist end of it play better? And then if so, yeah, I don't know whether it has anything to do about age necessarily, but you might be more predisposed to it because you like it. You know, the, the drama of it is more engaging to you at, at a younger age. But but I but I think I think a, a lot of older people, and you know, the the, the Fox News audience is, is probably um, evidence of this uh, the for it too. Kind of right, of it, rather than the yeah, so. yeah. Mm. Yeah, my, my my summary for it was well. It kind of seems like for the upcoming generation, and probably my generation and down, and maybe maybe slightly above. I don't know because I think you know you would be slight just a couple of years older than me. I think newspapers are largely dead in print form, at least. But I think your point about those sources still existing and being large opinion makers. And I'm always surprised to see my American friends sharing articles from the mail online that they, they, they've done a very good job, whether you agree with what they do or not, they've done a very good job of, of ingratiating themselves as an online news source. They really have, internationally, not just for British issues either. Like you'll see BBC links and they're generally British focused and the, the BBC world thing exists, but it, it's not, it doesn't have the same kind of foothold in the mm. social media link share as it were, as, uh, as, as the mail online does. What did you make? Actually, that's an interesting point on that. That um, the Nick Ferrari man didn't make the point particularly well, but did make the point of the fact that because of the long-standing sort of Fleet Street approach to this stuff, that they might be more journalistically viable and backed than than a blog type site. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, 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 an, it's an interesting thought and in I think provenance and, uh, you know, the, the idea that you can go back and say, okay, uh, this journalist or this, this, this organization has a track record of, of, of strong fact checking or, you know, that sort of thing and not, not, not kind of jumping to conclusions and, and putting out things that aren't true, sourcing their stories correctly. Uh, there's, there's something to that. Um, but again, I think it's 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 buyer beware because what perspective are they coming from? Even mm. if they've got a source that says, you know, this is how things happened, or this is what this person thinks, or this is how this event went down, uh, what's their perspective? And if they're a source for a certain news outlet, if they're a source for the Guardian, for example, um, maybe they have sympathy with the Guardian's perspective. If they're simple, if and the same is true for the Mail, the Telegraph, any any newspaper. If, if, maybe they're not an impartial source but so so just because that there's some kind of history or or um well-sourced documentation to something doesn't necessarily mean you should only look at that 
And I think that's kind of the, the trap that people fall into. They kind of go, well, you know, and it, it's kind of the point that Nick Ferrari was making saying, well, because we've got the history, you should come to us and not come to, not go to these other blog, the, the blog type things, or, um, you know, citizen journalists and those sorts of people who, who might be doing their own independent thing. Uh, I, I think, I think it's, I think a why I think that the, the real solution is, is get your news from multiple sources, listen to it all, read it all, um, and, and make it a, a, a determination on what's true and what's false, um, based upon triangulation and, and different perspectives and be okay with saying, I don't think any of these are true, but I think some of them might contain a little bit of truth. Yeah, that's fair. Actually. And I mean, and in terms of oversight, there's, there's always Ofcom here. I mean, yeah. and, and if, you know, if there is anything that is perceived to break, um, uh, the, the bounds of, of whatever scale you want to judge these things on, then, then there is always that level of oversight and you can complain about things and that, yeah. I don't know whether it does, but I would think that still covers the majority of both print and online distribution sources that are bigger than one person that are, are to be considered outlets. So yeah, so you I suppose could if it, still, you, if it's an organization, yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, if it's, if it's just someone's blog that has multiple contributors, probably not. Mm. It's an interesting thought though. I don't know what the distinction is there because I know the FCC, which regulates, um, you know, communication here would probably be the closest thing to Ofcom. It's not a, it's not a watchdog as it were, but it's, but it, uh, you know, if, if, uh, CNN, <laughs> they're kind of hot in the headlines right now, but if CNN were to say something blatantly false and libelous, that's that's the that, the agency that would take it up out of thought. So yeah, but but if if it's just a person online, there's no recourse. All you can do is combat it with truth. You know, if it's false. Yeah. Your truth. Okay, <laughs> okay, Nietzsche. Um, oh, it's wife. Yes. Come in. We're not recording. Well, we are, but we're we're done. Hello. What time is it? Um, 20 past two in the morning. <sighs> Go to bed, Mark. <laughs>